0: Is it Coke Zero for the millennials, original Coke for the baby boomers? <laughs> it's, I'll have you now to pronounce Coke Zero.
1: and Welcome to episode 42 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. I am your party host, Dave Ryan, joined on the couch opposite me, as I am every week by the platforming prodigy, Mark Robinson. Mark,
0: how are you? Not to peel back the fourth wall, but the fucking state of us this morning. Oh, it's... (sighs) See, the thing is, right, so I went to bed last night around...
1: I went up around midnight, I think. Uh Yeah. Which is like not not too far off typical for me like you know I'll usually like when I have nothing on in the morning I'll usually
0: go up to bed around midnight maybe be asleep by about 1 mm-hmm. right. it's kind of reasonable for a, a, a bunch of people that, you know even work like a 9 to 5 job yeah do you know in fairness when I was actually when last year when I was
1: uh, the last two years when I've been teaching I usually would one twenty was my hard cut off time because I know then I'd have 6 hours sleep <laughs> but uh, yeah I went up <clears throat> um, the sleepiness did not come until about two o'clock um, went to sleep and then uh, had a bout of the blood sugar lows about four o'clock ah yeah so I rambled down and it's great that you're you the one that, that that lives downstairs in the house because you're the one least likely to wake up even if the house is on fire oh. or someone sets off a landmine in the kitchen there's nothing
0: there is nothing yeah <gasps> I, I, Like
1: because I came in I dropped the bowl on the floor <laughs> last night and somehow it didn't break it because i, I had, like
0: a, i cushioned it slightly at my foot and not a, not a peep coming from your until room. right now i had no idea that any of this happened yeah uh, yeah my um example that i use is when i was on holiday once and i had three very drunk canadians banging on my door and my uncle who's on the other like end, banging on your door or banging on your door banging on the door Oh yeah, hey, i'll like, say Clever. oh canada <laughs> um and my uncle, who's on the, on the other side of the hotel lobby, heard it before... Well, I, I didn't hear it at all. I, I was, like, knocked out cold. Yeah, I think my personal experience of seeing how
1: much of a deep sleep you go in is during E3 this year when you took a nap before the Sony press conference. And uh, Ben, our friend, tried desperately to wake you by legitimately punching you in the yeah, leg. yeah. And I- you did not budge. Now I put that half
0: down to your deep sleep and half, <laughs> half down to the upper body strength of the nature old girl. But... Yeah, I don't fall asleep as much as I like, just go into a deep comatose. Yeah, it really is yeah. that you like an astral projection, like you leave your body. I'd be good for space. Well, I think. think. I think so. How's your week been, pal? Uh, fine it's getting back into the, the grind of the world of retail you back know to the rat race it's good fun ratcheting up <laughs> for christmas uh yeah well it's still kind of quiet um my employee of choice they so you have a lot of uh kind of retail outlets that gear up for halloween mm. and then gear up for like the black friday and then for christmas mm-hmm. so it's really weird for retail over the last couple of years where um by about October, they'll be getting ready for Christmas, and like they'll have a little bit for Halloween. But Halloween's become such a big event, and obviously Black Friday's such a big thing that they're kind of having to do Christmas, but with these other things on the side as well. Yeah. But my employee choice don't really have those kinds of issues. So, you know, everything's up. The, the stars and the bells and the whistles, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's fine. Um, Your enough, particular employer, historically, speaking, is very Christmas-focused. Yes, yeah, very I mean. much, Yeah. But other than that, uh, I went to see the girl on the train. Yeah, uh, which how was she? She was. Um, she has blackouts. She uh, is an alcoholic. She lied about. I've heard referred to as year. the Gone Girl on the train because well, it's ostensibly going for that Gone Girl market. Well, I I didn't see Gone Girl, but it's very good. Yes, I've been informed by you and many other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, all I know about this, all I know about this going in, uh, is that it was based off of the book that mm-hmm. some people seem to like, including mm-hmm. my girlfriend, who was the reason I went to see it. I tried to convince her to see Stalks, but she wasn't having any of it. Storks is pretty good. Yeah, it's it's on my list. Um, that I might just do a double header of that and Doctor Strange tomorrow to get them both. It's a strange <laughs> double bill. <veil. laughs> it's <laughs> a strong right. double bill. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, like it's it goes for that kind of. Um, memento sort of thing where like you you kind of the plots unraveling um well, there's not what it seems but the timeline's kind of all over the place. Mm. Uh and so it kind of keeps you guessing. Uh, you know, it's basically it's a murder mystery. Um and you you know you're kinda of guessing up until it's revealed who killed who. Mm. Um acting's pretty strong. I think Emily Blunt does a very good job. She's a very good actress. Yes, you know, yes. she's she's uh strong across the board. Uh some of the dialogue's a bit ham fisted in places. Uh, I'm told that there are some sort of discrepancies with the novel, but, I mean, it's very hard turning a book into a film. Like, there are times where it does work. That's Peter Jackson. (sighs) Um, But having not read the book, obviously I I couldn't Mm. kind of say anything about that. But no, like uh, uh, the the acting across the board is, is is pretty strong. It's just just some of the dialogues just a bit wonky. It seems to be a very marmitey sort of thing. Like there are critics that really liked it, and there are critics that really really did not like it. As nah, well. I mean, I when it comes to this kind of film, and like I've never kind of classified myself as any sort of film snob. I mm. couldn't. Super Troopers is one of my favorite films that automatically mm. disqualifies me <laughs> from any kind of conversation um but you know i didn't come out of it hating it i didn't come out of it thinking oh my god that was like fucking wow it was a a solid perfectly
1: serviceable perfectly
0: serviceable uh, occupation of your time yeah thriller kind of murder mystery it was 90 minutes to two hours that you don't regret
1: no yeah no
0: and lord knows i've had many times where that's happened um
1: this week i went to a preview screening of Doctor Strange, yeah. Tell the, me about. Apparently, I think it, was it uh, our friend Anchor I saw yesterday post the fourteenth film in the MCU canon since it's been officially the MCU. That's when was ridiculous. that
0: officially announced? This I would imagine Iron Man one. I got oh,
1: really? imagine that's the star- Well, that's the start of the setup. Well, I know the start. At the end of it know. is where he talks about the Avengers Initiative. So, I imagine. Wait for, for only fourteen. Oh, I... Yeah, that can't be. Well, you look it up there while I'm talking.
0: Well, no, just if off the top of our head. Oh, yeah, let's just let's just baselessly care. No, let's just off the top of our head. The three Iron Man films, three four films. No, there's two four films. Oh, two four films. Well, there's going to be four. Uh so that's five. Three Captain America films. Eight. Both of the Avengers. Ten. Guardians. Eleven. Uh, Ant-Man. Uh, Ant-Man. Twelve. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Thirteen. Ooh. Where's the one that's missing there? Huh. I'm going through, like, the Civil War scene. Unless, it could be...
1: It it could count the the, the, the Ed Norton Hulk movie. But why would you do that? I don't know. It's better than the first one, is why. It's better than the Ang Lee one. No, they can't count that,
0: surely, because that was, like... Look it up! Well, yeah, I'm talking sure. about this, All for fuck's
1: sake. Right. Okay, So I went to a preview screening of Doctor <laughs> Strange, and the thing I want to talk about before the film is that I saw for the first time on the big screen um, the teaser trailer for Logan, mm. which is the new Wolverine film. Is that's that the same as the one March on like, like, YouTube you. and
0: everything else? Huh? Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's the
1: same like one, but it's with stereo sound because you're in the big screen. Um,
0: ah, they do include that Incredible Hulk, by yeah. the way, so. um. So it's, um,
1: like, because we've been burned before by the Wolverine films, and I say burned before, I wasn't really expecting anything from the other Wolverine films, but what I'm saying is
0: because the other Wolverine films have been shite. Well, one has been shite, one has just been... Whatever.
1: whatever. Well, one was one was boring shite, and the other one was shite that attempted to take down the concept of Deadpool and Gambit with it. <laughs> Which is like, infinitely more infe- offensive. Impressive. Yeah, because like, Deadpool, one of my favourite X-Men related characters since I started reading comics, and Gambit,
0: one of my favourite X-Men related characters since before that when I watched the animated show. At some point I'm going to go back and check, because it clearly felt like a film that had half the budget of any X-Men film just like the CGI I don't know
1: what the budget would have been on it but I it was it was dreadful yeah. it was dreadful yeah. um but this this Logan trailer like it's obviously clearly taking its cues from have you ever read Old Man Logan uh no I know of Old Man Logan yeah my son and Brian both have it you should read it just to, yeah. just to for the comparison but it, it seems to be hitting a lot of notes from Old Man Logan but it can't it can't do Old Man Logan because two of the main characters in Old Man Logan are, not, are Hawkeye yeah. and the Hulk gang. Uh, so you can't do either of those because, you know, their X-Men movies aren't in the MCU. But there are some things you can do. Um, it It seems to be like a much older, broken Wolverine in a kind of like... Not necessarily post-apocalyptic, but definitely sort of a grim version of the future where the mutants have died out somehow. Uh, and he's going around with a very addled, and rumor has it, uh, a version of Professor X that's suffering from dementia. That was, that was a rumor I, I read a lot about in the build-up to the trailer. And they're helping out, or they're trying to find this child who... Professor X says is very very similar to Wolverine. It's been confirmed since this will mean nothing to you that the child in question is Laura Kinney aka uh, X23. Oh, I actually did my research on that did so yes. which made uh, which made um Brian very excited uh, that X23 was involved. Uh, I personally would have hoped for even though it's kind of a little bit crazy. Uh, of a mutant to have in a film that is looks so gritty and realistic, is uh, I was hoping that it would be Hope Summers, mm-hmm. um, because that would mean then that you could introduce as part of Logan, you could introduce Cable, um, because Cable is going to be in the Deadpool movie that's yeah, out yeah. in 2018, but. Um, that's just my personal kind of fantasy booking for the <laughs> movies. But, like, the, the trailer is really good. It's cut to Johnny Cash's heart, which is always a fucking
0: good time full of feels. It's very easy to make anything look at least 10% more mm. uh, effective and emotional if you include that. It looks very Last of Us. That's kind of the big thing. Yeah, it's very Connor McCarthy. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's bleak, yeah. is what it looks like.
1: Uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing and seeing more. That's out March 2017.
0: Just to go back. Uh, Yep. 14 um, MCU films which it feels like there's so many more you know just yeah. that kind of it, it surge feels like of films some... over the last couple of years
1: yeah you see that's like because when you're thinking about the, the, the Fox movies as well like so all the X-Men movies yeah I guess and Deadpool and movies well. doesn't count and feels... DC and yeah, yeah and that's not to say nothing of like uh, comic books outside of that like the most popular show on cable television at the moment is based on a comic book Walking Mm. Dead yeah I mean we're just living in a world where comic books are Mm. being transferred into properties Uh, another one of Kirkman's things Outcast is now a show on Cinemax Um, fucking Scott Pilgrim yeah you know like it's we're living in the golden age of if you're a comic book fan and you want to see your
0: comic books turn into films it probably will be eventually yeah uh, so kick ass, two kick ass movies. Yeah. Uh, X Men Three was two hundred ten million. Uh, X Men Origins Wolverine was one hundred and fifty million. Surprisingly, the second Wolverine film was one hundred and twenty million. I, You see that was that wasn't a very that tried to tell an
1: emotional story you know, where he went back to the east. <laughs> yeah. That was the one that was just called the Wolverine. The Wolverine yeah, yeah,
0: just bullshit. <laughs> Fucking bullshit movie. Anyway, uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, talk, talk to me about that. So, How was Mr. Benedict Cumberbatch?
1: This is one of the things about it. Like, so I'm, I'm predicting when the reviews start to come out that I'm going to hear some things about his accent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think it is, is this weird kind of cognitive dissonance. Because at a certain point during the movie, I went, is it his accent or is it something in my brain? And I closed my eyes to listen to him speak. And his accent is fine. Well, let's it's, put it like it's, it's 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 fine. What it is is that your very brain English. But yeah, that's the thing, you but his his accent doesn't sound English. No. But your brain can't put together the idea of an American accent coming out of that face. Yeah. I mean, you know? It, you look at him and it's like, well, you're Sherlock. Yeah. So it seems it seems weird, but it, like he's kind of it's funny to me because he's basically playing house. <laughs> Like, All right. you know, like, because Hugh Laurie is an I, Englishman doing a really somber, gravelly American accent uh, uh, to be even for a really arrogant doctor with
0: a disability. Even <laughs> now, I hear that voice coming from him, and I'm still like, that's, that's that doesn't make any sense. I remember watching you in Blackadder, for fuck's sake. Yeah, that's so... Connect. Um, This movie
1: stars uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Rachel McAdams, Chiwetel Ejiofor, who, which is one of my favourite names to say. Um, say it again. Chiwetel Ooh, Uh Mads Mickelson, Tilda Swinton—it's um, like it's a proper blockbuster kind of like actors cast. You know yeah. what I mean? You know what I mean? It's not like a like. I suppose it's sort of a list. Like Chiwetel Ejiofor has an Oscar. Tilda Swinton is Tilda Tilda Swinton. Like yeah. But at the same time, it's very much a rather than uh A kind of box office draw like a name you know like a like a Tom Cruise they're not they're not getting movie stars they're getting actors for this you know and um, they're not getting Hulk Hogan they're getting Sean Michaels yeah yeah yeah, basically Um, to put it into a way that I can understand so the movie itself like is it serves as both an origin story for Stephen Strange and as kind of a setup in the way the Guardians set up the cosmic realm of Marvel this movie sets up kind of the, the reality that in the marvel universe there is magic
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay and it, it so in that way it's serving two masters well three really because you've got to introduce the character introduce the concept of magic into the mcu and try and start tying in the consequences of this film to the mcu as a whole the only film in the whole of the MCU that doesn't try to tie into a bigger picture is Ant-Man, really. Ant-Man, uh, with the exception of him showing up, um, like, that, that that brief scene where he fights Falcon. Um, no, like,
0: the outro as well. But the, the post credit shit doesn't, like... Well, no, but like, the, the, actual, but the actual The actual thrust. end of the film is talking about, like... Yeah, the thrust of the actual plot though isn't bigger it's, picture. It's self-contained. it's a self-contained yeah, sure. heist movie. Like
1: it's not the plot of the film doesn't serve to say this is why he is a bigger part. Like it, it 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 the the end sort of dovetails off into it like all of those films do, but the actual kind of cut and thrust of the film is this very self-contained story about Hank Pym and Scott Lang, right? And the the it's a, it's a heist movie you know what I mean yeah whereas this movie does have like it the whole while is about broader implications for the world you know of, of this kind of the, the existence of magic now but um, to talk about the film without spoiling it um, it's really good it's uh, I think if this movie had come out before some of my favourite ones it would have absolutely melted my brain and would have been right up towards the top my top Three in that MCU are probably Winter Soldier, then Guardians, and then Civil War. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's on that tier, but I think it's, like, the, the kind of... If that's the the A tier, it's on the A2 tier, you know? It's, like, it, it's right along there, but, like, maybe um, the the first Avengers or something like that. You know, the like, it's just the kind of real good, but not... Oh my god! I need to see this film a hundred times. Sort of good. Like I'll go. I'll be going to see it again because I very, very much enjoyed it. Um, so it's it's really good. Um, some of the effects. It's ridiculous. It like this is. I can't believe that I am saying this, but I think this is a film that needs to be seen not only in three D but in three D IMAX mm-hmm. if you possibly can. Because some of the like, you've seen the like the trippy kind of uh inception y that's the kind of the parallel people are drawing the the special effects in it, and it's just it's they're breathtaking special effects, it's incredible. Um, some of the performances, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is a really good Doctor Strange. I didn't think he'd be that good. Uh, no, I thought he'd be good, but not as good as he is. He is very, very good. Um, I didn't think they'd be, I thought they'd try and make him more likeable, which would be a shame because they kind of make Scott Lang in Ant-Man a lot more likable and Hank Pym a lot more likable than they necessarily are sometimes in the comics because both are portrayed as horrible fucking human beings in the comic books. Well, I
0: mean, Paul Rudd is playing, you know, so that's already... This this is the thing. But um, Stephen
1: Strange is pretty much portrayed as a fucking git for most of the film like an arrogant prick which is what D- Stephen Strange is. Mm. You know, he has a kind of redemptive arc where he sort of acknowledges that uh, at a certain point, but you get the feeling that the arrogance doesn't go doesn't ever really go away. It's still in there. Um the performances uh, uniformly are pretty good. I think Mads Mikkelsen is a bit underused. Like it, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe problem with villains continues where they get Really good actors in Criminally underused them And then kind of Brush them off Yeah Um, uh, Tilda Swinton fucking owns Tilda Swinton is the greatest Um, I would have doubted You know That she could You know I I would have said Tilda Swinton is playing Like an ancient mystical uh, Master of magic That's a bit weird I should never have doubted till this one. I should never have doubted till this one. I think of 4 is great. He's great in everything. Um, and kind of like he is going to be set up to to be a, a subsequent part of uh, like Doctor Strange 2 or whatever that's going to be called in the end. Um, I... And then... What's the last? Uh, Wong. Uh, who I think is played by a man named Benedict Wong. Benedict I Wong, yeah. yeah. So... The, the interplay between... Because Wong is an important character in Doctor Strange's life in the comics. Uh, and I think the interplay, the banter back and forth between Wong and Strange is great. And I, I wasn't expecting... Like, I know all of the MCU films have a bit of humour to them. But I was, I was expecting this to be one of the ones that was pretty much like serious and dark throughout. Uh, and no, there was, there was some actual pretty good... Uh, comedy, both in terms of kind of quippy dialogue and uh, a couple of bits of really good physical comedy. Um, but yeah, this is... It's pretty good. Um, and it kind of... It's more impressive to me because it, it does kind of what Guardians does in as much as um, there are no really... If you talk to people who are fans of Marvel Comics, the actual physical comics, um, Doctor Strange has never really had a memorable solo run in the comics, uh, and neither had the Guardians really. Like you could argue that the, the Dan Abnett stuff that uh, the Guardians did, Brian would certainly argue that is is relatively memorable Guardian stuff. But I'm pretty sure that stuff started coming out after the film was announced, mm-hmm. before it came out. But what I mean is, so it doesn't have a wealth of source material to draw from. Doctor Strange is one of these characters, like Namor the Submariner who was never really memorable on his own in solo runs, but was always like a memorable part of a kind of an Avengers adventure. Um, like he's an important part of the Infinity Gauntlet storyline in the comics, but there's no real, until relatively recently, there are no real kind of, it, it, you would find it hard to even find a Doctor Strange solo comic book in most comic book shops until after we knew the film was going to come out. Um, so, it's even more impressive then that they managed to kind of like craft this origin story without really having a, a huge, deep well
0: of um, great solo runs of his. Well, to potentially, that it, it kind of, in some ways, is better for them because they don't have to rely on the source material and can and go and do yeah, some other bits and pieces. Yeah, I, I suppose, but I also think
1: that. Um, having the source material is a great reference point for like tone and things like that. Even sure. if You don't want to borrow on it, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. And obviously like with all Marvel films, stay till not just the end of the first set of credits, but till the end of the second set, there are like every MCU film. Now there are two post-credit sequences. Um, one of which sets up the next strange movie and one of which sets up a wider role in the MCU, which is pretty much how these things go. Yeah. Um, so, Doctor Strange, with a thoroughly recommended film from me. Um, shall we talk about video games? Let's talk about some video games playing this week.
2: Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy II. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well oh, thanks. I meant scum of the earth.
1: Thanks. Yeah, so I've not been playing an awful lot of new stuff this week, Mark, if I'm honest. Um, I have been... I have Battlefield 1 sitting on my desk, but I don't want to touch it until... I, I don't want to start this when it's busy season. I don't want to start this, start a million games, and end up with a million half-finished games by January.
0: You're a responsible gamer at this point. You know the rules. I'm trying, I'm trying.
1: Now, bear in mind, Skyrim's out tomorrow, so... <laughs> Although, in fairness, I won't be in a rush to beat Skyrim, it's a five-year-old game. Uh, yeah, so, uh, anyway, I'm playing Mafia 3, and I'm, I'm trying to, not, when I say trying as best I can to just beat that game as quickly as possible, I don't mean that in a way that, oh, I'm just trying to fucking slog through it. Because, again, because I'm a wise and responsible gamer, at this point, if it's a game I don't want to finish, I'm not going to fucking finish it. You know what I mean? Just because out of some sense of obligation. I, in fact, I'd rather probably go right. I'm I'm definitely not going to finish this and trade it in, uh, while it still has some sort of value to it, uh, rather than hold on to it out of some principle sense of I must beat the game before I give it away. Um. So I'm playing that. Um. It, like I really like it. It's strong contender for the Meg game of the year, as we said before. Um, and I also, as I said before, I can see some of the concerns people have about a uh, kind of repetitive missions, but I'm still enjoying it. And I'm getting to a stage now where I'm working up the tree of the people I need to get revenge on and assassinate before I take out the guy who did the bad stuff to me in act one. But, uh, what I am noticing, excuse me, is, uh, as I go up the rungs, the difficulty is really starting to, to increase now. Um I'm dying a lot more. Yeah. And I'm having to think a lot more about areas I'm going into and um, and stuff like that. Um, did you
0: did you find um is it one of those games where it front loads a lot of the interesting interesting stuff for all the kind of different types of missions you're going to do and then it's just you're kind of copying and repeating for a lot more there's not that many different types of missions
1: like um, even ones that are have different objectives are ostensibly the same Mm. kind of like sneak into a building or into an area and try and either like overwhelm them with force and gun everybody down and blow everybody up or do what I tend to try to do unless it's impossible which is like sneak through and just like kill everybody with stealth kills without even firing a shot. Um but it it to me anyway it, it seems to keep things interesting like it changes things up just enough and obviously there's uh, there's a way to go through it that would be less repetitive and that would be to kind of mainline the story. Yeah. Whereas I'm going through and trying to take over everywhere before I pursue the next story arc. So, I don't know how long the game, like, I'm I'm assuming based on people I know on the Tweet Machine and such that have beaten it, that it is a hell of a lot shorter if you don't go the circuitous route I'm going on. But hell, I'm having a bit of fun while I'm at it. I'm probably, as soon as we're done here, I'm probably just going to go up and play a couple more hours of it or something. I think the soundtrack's helping as well. <laughs> the soundtrack really helps. Soundtrack is so good. The the three radio stations I'm at, I don't think I I talked in depth about that we talked about some of the soundtrack the soundtrack is really good and it really helps set the period because at a glance if you didn't know anything about cars like for example dan our housemate came in last night and assumed it was grand theft auto but he wouldn't have a breeze about period cars or anything like that so he wouldn't have necessarily noticed that they were clearly not cars from gta 5 um the thing that really helps set the period more than anything else is the radio. So you have um, three stations on the radio, again, kind of more reminiscent of uh, the olden days where there wasn't so many, uh, such a plethora of choices for listening to. Like, that massive wheel of radio stations on GTA Five is intimidating. Yeah, But you have three radio stations, one of which is for what it said in 1968, so contemporary rock and roll for the time. You got like Rolling Stones and Credence and shit like that on that channel. That That's some good times. That's the one I kind of, I, I listen to most. I imagine there's a lot
0: of blues. Well,
1: that's one of the other channels then is blues and roots and gospel music kind yeah. of stuff. And that's the other one I, I listen to quite a bit. And then the third one is kind of soul music. Which is um I, I, I listen to that the least, but I don't not listen to it. I thought you were gonna throw a curve there
0: instead of like hardcore gangster rap. No,
1: he's got like some Aretha Franklin and stuff. Hey, yeah, so like yeah. it's it's pretty it's pretty good. Um They don't make them like they used to. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. It's definitely like the that kind of music I know, sure. even if not necessarily yeah, right, Aretha yeah, yeah. herself. Um yeah, it's it's a really fun game. It's not Blowing my doors off it's not a game i'm going to hold on to after i beat it. it like most sandbox games i don't think it has replay value because it's once you've beaten it once it's just a slog to beat it again like um but yeah i'm having a good time with it and then the other game i i say i've been playing it but we've been playing it as part of our new youtube series we've been playing the witness, some more.
0: Yeah, well, we spoke about this last week, mm. um, but yeah, for me, like having. Yeah, I kind of wanted to. I kind of wanted to check in here and see
1: how the witness is. Sure,
0: uh, it's you know from a lot of the stuff that we've said about the witness. Um, I like how it opens up a puzzle, the core idea of a puzzle mechanic, mm. and then expands on that puzzle with uh, each new variation of that kind of core mechanic mm. and so you know you learn very quickly on that each puzzle is kind of the same but adds at least a little bit of a twist every time yeah the problem with that is you're so you, you get that wrapped into your brain that you start kind of um You almost trick yourself into red herrings when they're not there. And then when you do get caught by a red herring, it's almost like you're double bluffing yourself, you know. Uh, And that's kind of thrown me off on a couple of occasions. And I don't know if you've had a a similar thing happen to you. Yeah. Um, But also, like, it does go for a couple of cheap shots as well. Like, there's the... uh, what we found out last night on the stream we were doing yeah so
1: we're the only by the time you listen to this guys we'll only have posted one part our kind of pilot but they'll be going up every Wednesday now for a while while we're taking a break from our usual link to the cast plays with a narrative game and we're up to part four I think yeah we've recorded four
0: episodes so far okay um but on yeah so last... spoilers but on last week's <laughs> on last week's uh this week's last night stream there we go Get so the time. one you'll be hearing in about yeah, two weeks the end of november weeks. or whenever um you're in a, a sort of tree uh, like a kind of i don't know like a wooden hut sort of area with some trees and it's very kind of it's the temple it's called yeah it, it's maybe. like it has a kind of japanese theme to it if you will yeah really it's, kind a, it's a kind of zen garden with yeah a temple, zen garden there you go in no other words and you've got some puzzles that are latched onto a tree and then there are like branches that over like are in the foreground with the puzzle in the background and you have to use the branches to kind of figure out the puzzle Hmm. whether the roots are on top of the 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 lines that you need to go through or you need to have the lines go around the branches yeah
1: so there are two standard kind of ways the game forms its puzzles and one is just to Show you the mechanic and give you the puzzle on the panel and try and solve it. And the other one is very much what was happening here, which is environmental
0: puzzle, where the world around you gives you
1: the hint as to what you're supposed to
0: do Yes. Yeah. And so by the last variation of that puzzle, I figured that I needed to um, include branches that went over the lines and then branches that went around the lines but there was part of the branch missing. So I had in my head concluded that there was two sets of branches. So I was having to use part of the first branch to um, go over the lines and then using this other, the right side of the branch to try and go around the lines. And so I had kind of tricked myself into, i convinced myself that's the way it was. Hmm. Um, And then it turned out there was a branch on the floor. And that's one of those occasions where That's not really clever design. I mean, it's... It's No, no, it's not clever. It's not. No,
1: I I, I would not necessarily agree or disagree, but uh, what I would say was the lesson that's being taught there is that the part of the environment that contributes to the puzzle is not necessarily always obvious, and you should be 100% aware of your entire surroundings at once. Yeah. And you had missed out on it teaching you that lesson already, because that corner uh, puzzle through the wall the last one for the the gate of the zen garden was teaching you that you can't necessarily always use a thing to line up with the panel that you have to look all
0: around you no no because there'd been a puzzle earlier on with the rocks out in the ocean where i had to look to the side yeah so... but you still weren't I was still having to be aware of stuff that was outside of the puzzle. Yeah, you know? but what I'm
1: saying is that it's it's stuff that you can't frame up with. The, you can't look through the panel at a certain angle. Yeah, yeah. You can't always do that. That's what that area is sort of starting to teach you. Yeah. And the, the kind of the hint that you needed to be looking completely around you was that one where the thing is behind you because of the crumbled wall
0: rather than looking through the, mm. the wall um but like overall i can't say too much i haven't already already said before in terms of the visual style the very kind of calming but still very atmospheric tone that the game brings along Mm. uh and you know there are people that are not going to like this game because they're simply going to see that it's just it's a bunch of puzzles uh but just constructed over an environment that you can go around Mm -hmm. you know it's it's a game that you can explain in one sentence, but there is there is a lot more going on than just what there is on the surface, and and you know I'm I whenever we can I want to sit down and just go for another hour um, because I'm enjoying learning new ways to do puzzles as much as it's annoying me, but it's the good kind of frustration yeah. you know, and there's that very there is that sense of satisfaction when you do figure out something, whether it's through brute force or by actually figuring out what it is you need to do there is that sense of satisfaction i strongly suspect if we had recorded another
1: hour last night and i interviewed you (laughs) afterwards maybe we may have spoken less fondly well i think you could say that after any recording we do of it yeah i think that i think that when we do the next hour and i could always we can always do it right after we finish here um but i think the next hour is going to be a bit of a tester for you yeah
0: to test your patience because there's some real obtuse shit going on in there. But I can also understand people that are thrown off because it's what, like, forty quids? Forty quid. I, I, I must check. I'll, I'll. I'll is that pounds t- or euros or euro? I'll do a,
1: a check and see what it is on the um, the store at the moment because I know it's I know it's forty quid on Xbox One, but it just came out on Xbox One. Yeah. so I don't know. So the price, price is a little priority. bit steep,
0: and I mean, this is not a. a a comparison that you can entirely use but like how long is the game roughly it depends on how good you are though.
1: well yeah yeah the there being it's one of those things where like like I said I got to the first end game but not the 100% end game And what did I say about 10 hours thereabouts was that my which act, is it feels like it was probably about 10 hours maybe hmm. 12 um but we talked to a guy in the chat on part two or part three who'd spent 140 hours, I think he said, on it. To beat it 100%. So it, it entirely depends on what you want from the game. And this and is the thing.
0: It, how it's, much of a goddamn psychopath you are, I suppose. You, you can't entirely use um an sort of hours per pounds or hours per euro sort of ratio because the order 1886 exists. Mm-hmm. And that completely debunks any... uh If it wasn't already debunked, yeah. Well, yeah. Um... But no, like if, if you haven't played it, I definitely think it's it's a game to to check out. Hmm. Um, I don't know whether it's been part of, of sales or anything. I mean, it would be perfect in a couple of uh, months' time. I know there was a couple of quid off it if you were a PS Plus
1: member for a while there, but I.
0: It would be a perfect game if it ever came out on PS Plus, but I don't know whether that'll be a thing that'll happen. Not anytime soon, no. I would imagine. Um, was it released this year? Yeah, it was like January. Okay, so yeah, I, I do think... Because uh, I have it on the list for um, my, my game of the year tracking. I think I would probably have it in my top ten currently, mm. I think. um, Because there's nothing like it, you know? Of course, the web version of the PlayStation
1: Store doesn't have fucking prices.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's a fair shout. Like, there, there's very few games that do anything like that, you know? It's, it is unique. And it is very much a Jonathan Blow game. Yeah. Uh, what else have you been playing? Uh, So uh, for my review I've got two reviews Like a joint feature if you will A couple of chess games that are doing Something that's a little bit different as part of Pocket Tactics But one of them kind of caught my eye Uh, It's a game called Really Bad Chess Hmm. By a gentleman called Zach Gage Who was the bloke behind Spell Tower And also was the programmer for Ridiculous Fishing Which is still one of my favourite iOS games Uh, That was created by Vlambeer Who are one of my favourite uh, phone mobile developers. The idea with really bad chess is that it. So chess. I mean, I don't know what what you are at like at chess. If you. Uh... Uh, I have always wanted to learn, but have never bothered to this. Oh, really? Point. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. We should sit down sometime. I'll, I'll give you a game or two. You know. Indeed. Uh, I used to play chess. I was part of the primary school uh, chess club team. Um, I didn't really take it any further into secondary school because you know I was trying Just to be one of be, <laughs> trying to be one of the cool kids, <laughs> in my little Nirvana hoodie. I went well, my long blonde hair. But uh, yeah, really bad. Tool. chess in general, like chess is entirely a game that is based on skill. There's no luck involved. You know, mm-hmm. every move counts. What really bad chess does is it removes an element of skill and throws in a little bit of luck, which sounds like it should be a bad thing, but. Basically, in in chess, um, you and your opposing player have your chess pieces set the exact same way every single time. I don't know if they're like different variations of chess, where they have parts in different positions, but for chess as I know it, you have your front line of pawns, and then you have your rooks, your knights, your bishops, uh, your king, queens, knights... Wait, bishops, knight, rook. Yeah, I think that's that's right. Um, What really bad chess does is... um, you have a ranking system and on the easiest mode basically you get front-loaded with a bunch of queens or bishops or rooks and knights and to explain to anyone that doesn't play chess your pawns uh, they're basically your uh, soldiers at the front of the line they can only move forward or they can move diagonal if they're attacking that's it. Uh, Rooks can move horizontally or vertically as many paces as they want knights have to move in an L shape uh, so two spaces, two spaces forward, one to the left or the right, or one to the left of right, two forward. I think I said the right. Um, bishops can only move diagonally, but as many paces they want. But then queens can move diagonally, or horizontally, or vertically, any paces they want. Only in a straight line, but wherever they want. Um, so when you get front loaded with a bunch of queens your life becomes a lot easier because you know you can attack from pretty much any angle that you want and the key the the crux of chess is that you want to checkmate the king so you want to get the king, the, your opposing uh, person's king in a position where wherever they move one of your pieces would attack it so you don't actually attack the king and take it away but as long as it can't move anymore you win that's called checkmate so you have check where you get into a position where you can attack the king if the king can move then the game still continues. Um, but it, so it, it scrambles the pieces up, basically. So where you have 10 pawns, I've now got like five queens and four knights or whatever else in its place. Um, and as you go through the game, as you get better and better, it gets harder. So you end up with less queens and more pawns and stuff of that nature. Mm-hmm. So it completely changes how chess is played because chess is very much, uh, think, 10 moves ahead be kind of very cautious, very defensive, very much a strategic game, and can be a very long game. You know, you can be sitting there for ten minutes before you move a piece. But with here, it's a lot quicker. You're a lot more, you're a lot more offensively minded. Yeah. Uh, you kind of throw caution to the wind, which is not the best way to play chess. But certainly for anyone that's starting out, it's a good way to kind of get, you know, get used to the, the core mechanics of the game. Um, and I just I think it it works really well. It's it's very crude, you know. Um, like graphically, it looks like a demo project that someone did in a weekend. Um, but it kind of works with what it's trying to do. Um, it's free to play. Um, it has adverts, um, but you can also I think you can buy the game for a couple of quid, which unlocks all of that. Um, but you can also buy uh undo tokens. So basically, if you do a move that you weren't happy with, you can take that move back, and uh, yeah, I have, think, like 20 of them at the moment. Uh, And then there's daily and weekly challenges, so every day a new board is set that everyone plays, and you can use a global leaderboard to see, like, how many pieces, or how many moves people were completing it in. The weekly challenges, same thing, one board a week, but it's a lot harder. And then there's free play to fuck around with. Uh, and then there's ranking where, yeah, just as you play more, your rank goes up and the game gets harder. And, uh, yeah, I think for anyone that kind of has a vague interest in chess but doesn't fully understand it, it's a good place to get started because um, you start off in a more adv- with an advantage so you can not worry too much about losing the queen or any of your kind of main pieces. And, uh, you know, you can just fuck around with it. Um, and I think that, like... It's so very simply kind of presented um, That it's very easy to understand, you know, like chess has come a long way in like there's a lot of uh, Different versions that add bells and whistles and always in 3d now um, But I like this because it's very fast very quick to the point point. Um, and yeah, it's it's out on iOS. I think there's an Android version. I might be wrong there Um but yeah, Zach Gage, is very, very good. I think Spell Tower... Do you play Spell Tower at all? Spell Tower you should definitely look at. I think that's something that you'd really enjoy. You enjoy Scrabble, right? Yes. Yeah, so you should play Spell Tower. Cool. So yeah, uh, that is really bad chess, which is actually really rather quite good.
1: Interesting. To the news! News on the
2: mark! Bit
0: of a quiet week, Mark. Live yeah, quite a quiet week. We said Not this, much going on. We said this last week. Not the, much going on. Yeah. Nintendo Switch. That was that was announced.
1: Um, the day this podcast yeah. posted last yeah. week. Um, we had Newsapalooza. So we are the last for the hot takes. Right? Yeah, pretty much. So in one day we had, I think, the Logan trailer dropped that day. The Switch dropped that day. And another thing we'll talk about later on dropped that day. But uh, up front, because this is the big news story of the week, let's talk all things Nintendo Switch. So... It's been rumored for a long, long time that Nintendo's next console was going to be a hybrid, hence NX, the next, and you know, the cross and everything like that, people are reading into it. But it was going to be a hybrid home and handheld console. Uh, word broke last week that there was going to be a Nintendo Direct announcing the Nintendo NX. I tuned in, I was on a train. Or was I? I was on the way to Dublin. What was I on the way to Dublin for? Anyway. That well, was the night I went to welcome to Nightfell. Vale. Um So I tune into YouTube on my phone, and all of a sudden, you know, when it's preparing to put up this direct, this logo comes up. This really nice, simple logo. One of the first things I want to point out here, how relieved are you, Mark, that they're getting away from the Wii naming convention?
0: I mean the whole Wii Wii U like fiasco fiasco and the confusion around that I mean for me like they needed a clean <laughs> break from the branding for me being a hardcore gamer that wasn't as much of a problem for me but certainly no, for the casual market it certainly was kind of necessary people so. had no fucking idea what the Wii U was yeah so it seems like uh, Nintendo are learning from prior mistakes yeah uh, which is a good thing because they're you know they're quite smart they've been around for a while mm. so yeah, that's that's good. That's a good start. Yeah, so the, the, it's a nice, simple logo
1: as well. I think the name gives a really strong and simple explanation as to what the thing is that you switch between
0: handheld and home console. I mean, I got to be honest, from the trailer that they the announcement trailer, it's a uh, very slick, media savvy trailer. They could have called it the Nintendo Unsociable.
1: Yeah, so it shows like a bit of three and a half minute trailer. Is this uh, poor dog? Uh, a poor where neglected dog. It's showing people who are acting like no human beings ever would uh, while they're playing their Nintendo Switch. So there's a man playing Zelda at home and he he undocks. So you, you get to see this this gorgeous Zelda game being played on the big screen. He walks up with these two little things that are called the Joy-Con now. Um, that's the official title yeah. put on the Joy-Cons. Awesome, yeah. He detaches them from this little Nintendo Switch controller. He attaches them to either side of the docking station and pulls out a tablet with the controllers either side, and now he's able to play the game on the go. Um, and he neglects his poor dog mm-hmm. while he's doing so when he's playing. Ninten- you know the way you always go out and sit on a hilltop and play your Nintendo games while you ignore your dog, or how you uh, you know you play to, basketball with you your play, friends
0: and then uh, actually play yeah you game quit to basketball. play two K yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so some of the things to talk about, look at from the trailer. Um, I really, I think it did a really, really good job without having to explain it in words as to what this thing is. It's very clear that you're going to be able to play the same games on the go as you are at home. Mm-hmm. It has been at least inferred in the video that pretty much as soon as you unlock it immediately the game immediately comes up on the thing. Now, whether that actually ends up being the case or not, we'll see, because I would imagine there's some sort of scaling down has to happen when it comes out onto the tablet. Uh, I can't imagine a game as gorgeous as Zelda looks uh, runs with the same fidelity on the tablet, <laughs> especially because we want that battery life to last more than about 15 minutes. Well,
0: this is the thing. No one knows what the battery life is. Yeah, that's, that's the sticker
1: people went to. Yeah, we're, 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 we'll... We'll... Uh, we'll a couple of the drawbacks of this are perceived we wait, drawbacks. We'll we 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 be talking about in a moment, but mm-hmm. um, the Joy-Con thing—it's—it's kind of weird. Like, I'm not opposed to the, you know, the standard thing where it's like a Nintendo Switch block that the two Joy Cons switch into while you're playing it at home. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see myself playing it like that. I kind of see myself. It also shows a pro controller that looked very nice. I will probably play with the pro controller almost the entire time. Uh it's at home. I don't know if I'm going to be the sort of person who brings it on the go. I I think I I'll mean, be more I'll be closer to but not necessarily the Jeff Gersmans of the world who's like I'm never undocking that thing. Well, this is the uh, thing uh, like I, I'm I not, am, this I'm is not going to never undock it, but I, you know, like, I might do it when, say, like, my
0: Switch is upstairs and I want to come down and watch a movie here. Yeah. I'll the, dock it then. This, this is going to be an expensive bit of kit, you know? Yeah. The idea of taking something like this on the go, on a on a bus or on a train, because it's also going to be pretty big mm. as well, I Let's imagine. Say the price differential between the 3DS XL and the, and yeah, yeah, true, and the Wii true. U was not that much. True. But, like, it's I imagine this is going to be a pretty kind of unwieldy, like, is... If it's the same size as like the Wii U tablet, I, why would I ever want to le- take that out of the house? You know, unless mm. I have my satchel. Well, I always have my satchel bag with me. Mm. But it's well, it doesn't like based on what we've seen. It's definitely not as thick.
1: Um, I don't think it's the screen is bigger, but the actual device I don't think is. Those Joy Cons are yeah. pretty small. But like, like it looks to me to be about an eight to ten inch screen.
0: Yeah, uh, but uh, with but like small joy cons, portable gaming, air quotes, because just because you can literally play it around the place doesn't actually make it, it going to be ideal tactics. for doing so. Yeah, come um, across as portable. Some of the things I I like about it, the idea
1: that it's got a little kickstand on it, so you can rest it back, like they showed a guy on a plane who rested it back, put his took the Joy-Cons off the tablet and put them back into the Switch thing and was just playing it on the plane. Do you know what I really appreciated? What? They took time to point out that it has an, it, that it has an auxiliary port. Yeah, it has a it has a headphone jack yeah. uh, unlike certain phones. Um. Another thing, I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to do it because it seems like it would be logistically quite annoying to do. It showed people uh, playing multiplayer games with one half of the Joy-Con each when it was being played remotely like when it was on the go which is interesting i think if i was a kid i'd be like hell yeah i'd be really on board with that but like because you know back in the day like we'd have our game boy advances and i'd want to play multiplayer on i don't know advance wars or something (laughs) like that and we'd need like a link cable or we would need to pass the thing around but it'd be really cool to be able to like you know, I'm curious to, to me that like that sucks. Cause I'm not uh, like that doesn't. If I'm gonna play
0: multiplayer, I'm probably gonna play it here on the big screen. You know, I'm curious to know um, like if developers kind of keep that in mind because from what I can see from the uh, controllers, like do they have shoulder buttons?
1: I would imagine because the Nintendo control, the Nintendo, the the Wii U has four shoulder buttons. Yeah. So I would imagine there's probably some sort of... There'll definitely be one. And um, I'd imagine there's a
0: second one somewhere, like maybe a trigger. Because off the top of my head, I'm thinking, like, Mario Kart 8 has uh, use of the shoulder buttons. Hmm. So uh, two-player Mario Kart, you can drive and you can move. Cause... But on
1: more than two-player Mario Kart, if you're using the old Wiimotes, it only uses the top buttons. It doesn't use the trigger. hmm um i can't remember how or at, least, or at least maybe it uses one trigger for weapons
0: well, i'm just trying I'm just I trying remember. to think like if any kind of new game comes out and yeah. um it has like two play that you can use like this will they have to kind of keep in mind will they have to sort of minimize button input or they'll find a way around yeah. it I'm well really i imagine sure. like it'll be functionality that it will be mainly used by first party games third
1: party games won't be as concerned with it yeah um Another thing from the trailer: some software. So we saw Zelda, which we knew about. Um, we saw a couple of prominent third-party uh, cameos. Skyrim, NBA Two K, and Skyrim was the one where it was like, "This is them trying to show: look, we can we can do what the other consoles can. It won't be as pretty as the PlayStation Four, uh, from what we understand. If every and this is from the same set of rumors that has been right on everything else so far. It is." in or around but not quite as powerful as the xbox one the standard xbox one yeah. uh, which is, is fine
0: and also um has it'll show more later in the generation that that but it has nvidia working on it and yeah, from the, the nvidia tigre a new yeah. custom version of that and from what the nvidia shield is capable of doing then you know this is going to be a pretty powerful piece of here. Yeah, Yeah, it won't be as powerful as
1: the other two, um, no. but that, in the immediate future, that's not as concerning. Like Towards the end of the console lifecycle, it will show more. Uh, to be honest, that's not been Nintendo's Well, it, it entirely, for it, at least 10 years. Yeah, but it entirely depends for that on whether third party support continues, because what, it, what will happen then is it will just become harder and harder to do ports.
0: True, I think that and if they're serious about third party, then that is a concern. I think a large portion of third party support that has diminished over the years hasn't been necessarily due to graphical capabilities no, but, but it, more, fuck you, we don't want to add Wii motion sensing no, but it, do, it or doesn't help, and at a time where add, find a way to make the fucking tablet at
1: used, a time where the third parties aren't necessarily predisposed to developing for Nintendo, you want to make it easy for them where well, possible Yes, yes. Um, so that's the two third party games then some interesting stuff, we saw Splatoon which indicates one of two things. Either Splatoon 2 is coming. Or we're going to get some way of either porting games across.
0: Or upgrading through the Virtual Console. Uh, well, this is going to be the thing as well. Um, virtual Console has existed now for mm-hmm. a while. Everything up to the GameCube. Um, I imagine we'll, we'll see emulation for. Though, like how they're going to map the controllers for that. Whether they'll have to...
1: Well, they have um, N64 games working on
0: Wii U. Yeah, so, so. we'll see how they, they address that. Um, but when it comes to the Wii and the Wii U, emulation for that is going to be very interesting how they go about... Like, did Wii they U just... not
1: as much like Wii U is going to be...
0: Well, okay, more for the Wii, but do they have like a, a, um, a sensor bar that you can buy or will they allow it that you can use your old Wii stuff if you still have it? Um well
1: there has been some talk that someone noticed or someone um I can't remember where the, the actual information came from, but basically because someone was saying that what do you do if you need to touch the screen when it's docked. Yeah. And someone said that there is infrared in the Joy Cons. So you could possibly use it as a pointer.
0: Okay. So what, like the PS yes. Four, um, touch screen thingy on the front. What? Use, a, use it as a pointer. What to point on? No, to point
1: screen. on, like towards the TV to show oh, what you're sorry, trying like to that. touch. Sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the kind of the workaround that isn't perfect. Because I think uh, Jeff was very concerned on the Bombcast this week about what about Mario Maker. Yeah, that's true. But then I think the counter to that was who the hell does who the hell would design a level on Mario Maker while the thing is fucking docked true because most people design Mario Maker by just looking at the gamepad and not looking at the television yeah uh, on Wii U but that's 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 a kind of small thing um there was footage of a Mario Kart game that is either um a kind of an upgraded version or a Mario Kart 9. I'm going to check now because you asked me this question the other day. Boo is not in Mario Kart 8. No, I know he's not in 8. And he is on... He is in that footage. Yeah. So I'm going to have a look now. Also, I'm pretty sure the kind of the display for the weapons looks slightly different on it. So, um, that could be a new Mario Kart. It could be Mario Kart 8... Uh, switch edition that has a couple of new characters to
0: get people like me who had mario kart 8 to upgrade um i don't know okay i think that mario i think that's mario kart Wii, because king boo's in that
1: but why would they show the mario the
0: two mario karts ago and not the recent one when they were showing splatoon because maybe well it could be either that they're showing that Wii games will be potentially for emulation.
1: Is that what the display looks like in Mario Kart Wii?
0: It looked kind of similar, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll have to check the trailer again. Mm. Um, and It, it looked I... a bit
1: too pretty to be a...
0: Well, because it's probably a, an up you know? Yeah. But um, I think, just because of the, the critical reception, I do think a new Splatoon will be on the way. That's kind of mm. my hot take hashtag. Yeah.
1: You see, I don't know enough about Splatoon to have noticed small differences like that. Um like what, as to whether that is Splatoon two the footage we saw or I don't know, like I wouldn't know the difference you no. know if you showed me some splatoon 2 footage and some splatoon one footage.
0: <laughs> well, I mean I imagine that uh, a lot of the kind of the visual style of it will pretty remain the same. It'll just be like more levels and mm. maybe a slightly better single player campaign which is kind of Splatoon's weakest point, but you know that was never a selling point anyway. Uh, and then the final thing it showed was new 3D Mario hmm.
1: Which looks like gorgeous, three D Mario, <laughs> looks, which is good. Looks gorgeous, and appears to be the, the theme is like a Dia de los Muertos sort of thing. It, it appears uh, I am very excited. I don't know what's gonna be called, but like I think we were saying in our messages last week when this trailer dropped, that if Nintendo has a launch window of three D Mario's, Zelda, and Mario Kart, <laughs> it's fucking strong.
0: Look, Zelda alone is strong. Even yeah, even two of the three would be very strong. Um, I'm really curious as well, like, over
1: the next year to two years. Also, I'd be in favor of them putting all three of those in the launch window because that means they have to go deeper then to keep the first party train going and that means we might get a Metroid
0: game. I was just about to talk about Metroid (laughs) and I don't know. I, I feel like they have proper just abandoned Metroid at this point. Um yeah, I. We'll see over the next year or two. Metro Prime Federation Force, man. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, was there, was there a Wii or Wii U like compilation of? Yeah, Metro
1: Prime trilogy. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So,
0: like, maybe which is retroactively available
1: on Wii U through the store.
0: So, I mean, if they do like some sort of up-res version of that for uh, the Switch, and if that kind of does alright, maybe they'll use that as like a tester, oh, who knows yeah. um, but I'm not holding out hope for, for new Metroid mm. uh, Well, what, my my whole thing would be just that if they
1: use up the three of those, the three big IPs they got to start digging deeper um, so I'm assuming we'd probably get a Donkey Kong game there's a Star Fox game has just come out so they're not going to be up to bat again anytime soon um, Smash games take a while to make um, plus the guy whose name I can never remember that made all the Smash games kind of went after the last one because I need to rest. <laughs> <laughs> <He's good. laughs> here's here's the big it. question
0: now: if this is them um, bringing together handheld and home console, Pokemon, what is the next Pokemon? Now, obviously, you uh-huh. know we're about that. That's like f- three, two, four years th- away. Um they're two to three years seems to be the.
1: The kind of like because it was it's been three years since X Y. Sure, we'll say f- three years. Um, what does that become? You know, is it going to be the big, uh, like gorgeous looking RP Pokemon RPG that everyone's wanted for? Like God just, knows how long. Just at that point, just turn it into a fucking open world. Because yeah. people are saying as well, like people Monster Hunter fans are really excited yeah. with the prospect of the like of uh, Monster Hunter uh, on the go and on the screen at the yeah. same time. Um, some interesting things like Phoenix Wright games, <laughs> yeah, are gonna be crazy.
0: I'm, I am worried though because open world Pokemon like it, might be the end of me. Yeah, like it and opens you up and everyone else.
1: It opens up such interesting possibilities with um, giving handheld games the power of the home console mm-hmm. and vice versa. Like trying to think. Uh, Intuitively about how to take home console games on the go. Yeah. So you could get some very and stuff very like Fire things. Emblem as well.
0: Um that mm-hmm. that yeah, Jesus. is Xenoblade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm tingling thinking about this. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. It's gonna be a good time, my friend. It's gonna be a good time. Well hopefully. Um but a couple of the drawbacks we said about battery
0: life. Well, um, they're all the questions that I'm hoping will be answered on the 13th of January. They've announced they're going to be doing a Nintendo Switch Direct, which I'm classifying as an early birthday present for me.
1: Yeah, my... My gut uh, is trying to play down so that I'm not really disappointed, and I'm saying well, the battery life of the Wii U tablet is about four hours. Yeah. So that's where my guess is at. Yeah. I think anything north of six... And it's good times. Uh-huh. I think if they get north of 10, it's fucking voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> there is some some black magic going on under the hood there because I can't imagine, unless there's a serious scale down in f- graphical fidelity when you dock the thing, that that processor uh, playing those kind of games like with what we've seen that Zelda look like, I, I can't see 10 hours plus coming out of that thing. No. So I'm saying... Low ball estimate four, pie in the sky, ten on the dot. Now six are, or eight I'd be pleased with.
0: There are many, many places these days when uh, travelling where um, plug sockets are now readily more available. Mm-hmm. So it, USB ports in a lot of Yeah, planes. That's what that was one of
1: the things I was thinking of. Like if the if there is a charger that is compatible with USB, uh, that would be Uh, beneficial killer app but I imagine there'll be a third party one that will come out sure Um, but yeah so that you can plug it into your laptop give your laptop on you not for it to connect but just for it to charge or plug it into the back of your seat on an airplane if I can get
0: one so I can plug it into the cigarette port
1: in the the car that'd be great yeah Uh, anything like that but I imagine this is Nintendo we're talking about they know handheld Mm. and every pretty much every handheld has had some sort of charging solution you know um the cigarette lighter charger is not a new thing for nintendo handhelds so uh even if the battery isn't great i would imagine they will have thought of these things about how you know chargers are readily available it will at the very least the they will make sure that the charger for the tablet is fairly lightweight yeah the absolute death by the way the the absolute worst case scenario is if they haven't really thought this through and you have to charge it in the docking station that's that the absolute I'll put my head through this table that's so dumb that cannot be it can't no it, it just, like this is just I refuse this, this is me setting the bar nice and low
0: <laughs> so that anything that's announced I'll be happy about um like if if they announce that then just we'll call this off burn right it now. all there. yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, and
1: then the other thing and this was weird this was something you put in the the news items and we're we're starting sort of starting to move off uh, Switch now and that's that at launch there will be no handheld only package of the Switch but to me that's
0: I mean it's kind of a redundant point who would want that (laughs) (laughs) well it's like if it's a cheaper option you know why would it be I don't know
1: like they've said that the processing power of the machine isn't in the docking station.
0: So you know what I mean? Uh, maybe like they're thinking there'll be like a slightly smaller one or um one where oh, the controller doesn't no. look like a wonky eyed dock. Shut up.
1: Everyone shut up. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting we're getting exactly what like this is kind of if this is pulled off this is making everybody pleased to some extent the people who don't want them to leave the home console market and the people that want them to focus on the handheld market both
0: audiences are getting there satisfied there is still one person out there who doesn't like this for one reason or another no
1: there are yeah, there are people who are just like oh. I legitimately saw on uh, one of the, the the video game podcast Facebook pages within moments of this trailer someone went well that's it rest in peace Nintendo I was <laughs> like what, what trailer are you watching <laughs> Ugh. yeah and uh, then the, the final piece of news about
0: that is that yeah we won't hear about the launch date price and games until that direct in January that you spoke about oh and they've just announced uh, Monster Hunter XX is coming March 18th 2017 so oh, there so the Monster Hunter people are happy Um,
1: Jason A. Striker is <laughs> organising the parade as we speak so that's pretty much all we oh, have. Oh wait, no,
0: it's for three DS. So ah,
1: the good mark giveth and he taketh away. Apologies. So that's that's Nintendo Switch. That's all we know now. Uh, hopefully, there'll be more stuff coming out because uh, it also, uh, by the way, uh, I think it looks real good. Um, I think the 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 home setup for the Joy-Con looks a bit weird. Like everyone said, it looks like a dog and it became a, a popular meme the two popular memes that came out of the, the 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 switch announcement were the controller that looks like a dog and the creepy Mario uh, leering yeah. people I, I, don't know if I love that one the from... Janet Lee and Psycho one uh-huh. that's, that's so good uh, look up both of those memes if you uh, fancy a laugh so that's our Nintendo Switch update for this week Another thing that dropped that same day This was the day of news Typical the day we post the podcast The day after we record all the news came out We got our actual teaser Not a trailer A teaser For Red Dead Redemption 2 And my words it looks, Does it look fucking gorgeous It looks quite lovely I want this game I want it in my life Really? It upsets me dearly that really? I'll have to wait Pretty much a calendar year for this to come out, I will almost be thirty by the time that comes out. Good lords, you will be the old west by the time it comes Good out. Grief. Um. So we still have no. That the trailer doesn't give us anything about story, anything about characters. It just it 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 sets the tone. Yeah. And the tone is this is the roughly the get the your tone words up, of Red Redemption, words. But it is
0: bigger. It is prettier, and. Well, the big thing oh, is that there's seven characters so is this a prequel but why is it called red dead redemption
1: 2 can so... you control all seven characters yeah. like in a way that you know gta 5 lets you switch between three do you switch between seven that would seem like a lot that's kind of excessive. do you pick one and stick with them do you pick a combination there's a lot of questions to yeah. be had yeah like you said is it sequel is it prequel obviously red dead redemption 2 the naming convention to that would lead you to believe that it's possibly a sequel But who knows because there were a lot of rumours that this game was coming and when the rumours the game was coming they they were accompanied by rumours that it was a prequel which will make it even weirder that it wasn't called like Red Dead Retribution or something else it would make the naming convention very strange I would lean on the side of it being a sequel because Rockstar aren't dumb and I don't think they would go back in the timeline but the
0: naming convention go forwards in the oh, timeline also i think red dead remember john marston we're going to use him again is a little bit too long to put on the box art yeah, so yeah. yeah so looking very much forward to that check it out on youtube if you have the time bethesda
1: all right, here's the big one for me all right this is so there is a trend that's occurring in in video games as of late and this is the first time, I think, the one thing that's refreshing and good about this is basically a studio acknowledging what is starting to become become common practice in video games and the way they're covered in the media. And that is that Bethesda has announced, this coming from MCV, Bethesda has announced that it will no longer send out review copies to members of the press early, with copies only being sent out a day before release. Now... Where to start? We had... We had this earlier on in the year with Doom. Mm-hmm. And, and I And Doom think, turned out okay. Yeah. I think a bit better than okay <laughs> now, in fairness. I mean, we're, just we're in terms of... Heavy. Yeah. The the automatic assumption on the part of most people is that when review copies don't get sent out, much like when preview screenings aren't done for films, it means they're shite. Mm-hmm. And they want to get the game out and make their money out. Ahead of the the backlash that will come from bad reviews or middling reviews or whatever. Now it seems that this is going to become fairly common practice. Mafia 3 was another one of these that they didn't get review copies until the last minute. Uh, no Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People didn't have until I think the week before. Mm-hmm. Um...
2: Which is not yeah. that unreasonable. No, but
1: uh, the thing about No Man's Sky that I understand more than other ones is that you don't really get the full experience of games like that until everyone's online. Yeah, you know, on, on,
0: until like everything is like the server. Here's are Here's the, thing. Here's the thing. Sort of thing. Like where we are with games at this point, it's a 50-50 split of um, whether a game is good also whether the game is on fire at release or not Mm -hmm. and bethesda don't exactly have the best track record when it comes to that part of the deal so it's crucial for a consumer to know a game at launch whether it's on
1: fire or not interesting as well that like I said before in the show, Skyrim is out tomorrow and Skyrim was notorious for being on fire on PlayStation
0: when it came out on PS3. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I can see where Bethesda have seen what happened with Doom and that it came out, it wasn't on fire, it was very, very good, word of mouth got around very quickly and everyone went, well, fuck that, I need to play this now. Mm-hmm. I That was, for me a little bit of lightning in a bottle, I don't think they're going to get that every time. Now, they'll probably get away with Skyrim. I think
1: by... I think by having a uniform policy for all games and not just we won't send out certain games. Mm. I think that makes sense in a certain way because then it becomes harder for you to flag if a game is going to be bad or not. Yeah. Like we said, the convention, the, the received wisdom was that if they don't send out review copies, it must be bad. Yeah. No, I, so I mean, now, now gone we for, don't know. Yeah,
0: they've gone all or nothing, which, okay, yeah. grand, It's it's a business move they've gone for and they are in the right to do that. Yeah. They can't fault them for that. I think it's a bunch of bollocks. Yeah. But hey, I'm, you know, speaking hey, for a Hey, it of benefits the little
1: guy like us, because now we're pretty much on a par with major outlets. Yeah. We only
0: have a 24-hour difference than when we get the games from Bethesda now. But this really, as far as I'm, I can see, makes anyone reviewing the game, one of two things happens. Either they try to rush out a review in 24 hours and the review is worse for it, which mm-hmm. gives even worse coverage of the game, or you have to wait a week or two weeks before like or you do the review and progress model that ign does which i'm
1: not necessarily sold on
0: no because once i've read a review once i'm not coming back a week later to to kind of continue on the review now i've been as long as i've been doing podcasts um i've been banging on that no one should ever have to pre-order a game there are certain games where I'm fine with, and like we've had this conversation before many times where you kind of have a model where you like to pre-order certain games because you like to just kind of chip away a little bit of money at it. it kind of gives you a good idea of like what your finances yeah, it, are.
1: To me, the the two circumstances under which pre-ordering are acceptable to me are one, as a method of shrewd financial planning, mm-hmm. uh, or if, uh, and this is only one that it doesn't apply to me, but Jim Sterling mentioned it, and I think, okay, that's fair enough, is that if like there's a game coming out that people are... Really excited for and there's a proper limited edition thing, like physical thing as part of it. The the one that the only one that I can think of that would have appealed to me was if I had known I was going to love it as much. The uh songbird statue that came with Bioshock Infinite. Mm-hmm. That is going to be hard, if not impossible, to buy after the game
0: comes out. Then I suppose if you really want to, you do you. Yeah. For me, like the only game um, in a while I can think of that I've pre-ordered is the new Pokemon. And that is, I, I had warned you that
1: with the supply constraint that Nintendo was famous for, XY was nigh
0: on impossible to find here for the guts of a month after the game came and out. And let's be fair, Pokemon games are not exactly notorious for being on fire at launch. No. So I feel that's a, like a worthy, justifiable kind of thing. Now, people that want to go out there and spend 150 quid on some premium edition of something that has a statue and a shield and a mask and a fucking replica gun and whatever else... Again, you do you. Um, you don't get it, but you're fine with people who have who want to. You know, I think um, early day access, people getting to play a game a day before launch, I think that is a bit shady. But again, I mean... Whatever. Do you really
1: want to spend... like Because I could have spent an extra 20 quid to get Gears of War five days early. Yeah. But I didn't. What's going to be very interesting for... If, if I had pre-ordered the legacy edition of Call of Duty, I would have been able to play the
0: campaign of Modern Warfare from about two weeks ago. Yeah. Whatever. What's going to be interesting for Bethesda is if we see people on youtube and twitch like notorious or not notorious but well-known youtubers t- twitch streamers if they have the game two weeks early we know that there's some shady business there and if they're like well i mean if they like the game they'll like the game but um as far as i'm as far as i can see this should be like across blankets. the board yeah. you know a blanket sweep no one gets yes, the, the game. exception of crazy times like when a game somehow finds its way onto a CEX shelf and someone picks it up. Sure, I mean like you've got still some of your independent retailers there that are selling games. Human error, uh, and more specifically idiots. Yeah, <laughs> will I, will no. always cause a game to Yeah, that's going to happen. slip out. And so you're going to get some people that are playing games like oh, a few days early because a, a retailer has just Yeah, like your boy you who know. spent thousands to get the
1: early copy of No Man's Sky yeah. and was posting spoilers on Reddit about 2
0: weeks before it sure. came out. You know, those clans exist. So I'm keeping an eye on this going forward. Um I don't like pre-ordering. <laughs> Um, as a kind of general rule, but hey, it exists. I don't think it's like the worst thing. Um, but in this instance here, you know, everyone has an option to vote with their wallet or not. And the fact that people have voted with their wallet and they still do use pre-ordering means that hey, there's a business for it, and companies are going to keep doing it. Mm. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see kind of how this goes going forward. Um, I don't think it really benefits anyone. Other than Bethesda, if uh, you know people continue to pre-order um, before the game actually comes out, you know, and don't know what the game is. And I've been seeing some really interesting, well not really interesting, but I've been seeing comments on uh, different gaming websites from people saying, Well, if your reviews were more objective and didn't just bash the developers, then maybe this wouldn't be happening. I said, oh, fuck off. You know, it's like they review the game. Reviews are subjective; they're not objective. If you want an objective review, go to the fact page of fucking, uh, like Amazon or Wikipedia, and like it is a game. It has free characters. Blah blah blah. You know, um, I think of Jim Sterling's objective review. What game did he do an objective review of? Um, not too long ago. I can't remember. It was good though. Uh, people should check it out. Um, but you know that that's going off into another tangent that. I could scream till I'm blue in the face and, you know, idiots will be idiots, so... Indeed. I want to talk about dodgy practices. Uh, game.
1: Well-known UK retailer that twice has shut down in the Republic of Ireland we don't have them anymore. They have started charging people to use their VR pods. So certain game stores across the UK have rolled out a special demo pod for PSVR you know come into the shop and try it and they've also announced pricing where you can get £5 for 10 minutes or 15 for 30 which is hilarious because that makes it sound like it's a bargain and not just the same price multiplied by 3 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just counting on the normal people not being able to do maths but this is this is kind of a bit Bit of something, isn't it? I... you, we, we might differ here. I actually don't have an issue with this. Do you not? No. Have you done the maths on this? Because if, uh, you've seen the reason they said. said. Uh, what's so that? The reason they said they're charging for this is to pay for staff so that the staff can be standing there. Oh, that's bollocks. Yeah, because yeah. the average minimum wage in the UK at the moment is £6.70. Yeah. Which means that you are paying uh, approximately four and a half people to stand
0: there watching. Yeah, no... All of that's bollocks, and they're going to come up with their corporate bullshit terms for it. But I don't have an issue with it because um, they can do what they want, really. That's a terrible excuse. No. It really know, like, is. Yeah, it is. You it defend
1: is. yourself a bit better sure. if you're going to say something's bollocks, mate. Go on. Uh,
0: I just, I don't know. Give like, it a go. It, it doesn't offend me. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm not. I see this, and I don't think it's as outrageous as as other shady bullshit things I've seen, you know? It's... The... As long
1: as we have been around, as long as there have been game stores, there are demo pods for consoles in stores. And they have never charged for them. There's PlayStation 4s, the Xbox Ones, just sitting in shops. We use all that sort of thing. You can walk up. You can just play the game. You can walk away. They don't charge for
0: it. Well, uh, there is obviously the difference here that you do need to have a person manning the pod. Do you need four and a half people? No, you don't need four. Well, and then half you're people. profiting from us. Of course, you're profiting from it. Why? Why would game not want to profit from it? We've just said. We have just said. Just
1: because it makes sense from a business perspective does not mean ethically it makes sense. No,
0: ethically it's bullshit. But as we've just discussed, they've shut down twice here in this country. They're going to do everything Mm -hmm. they can. From where we've seen with like GameStop shops, where they basically don't even look like a game shop anymore. They have one wall which is games, and then another wall which is all merch. Which is what H&V were doing before they closed down. Which is what CEX stores are going to be doing. They're going to be completely changing how they look. Um... I can't not bash it because it makes sense business uh, from a business perspective, however shady it is.
1: You have yet to provide, though, say, a, a defense for why this is not horrible from a consumer point of view.
0: Because I think the people that would be buying a PSVR are the kind of people that would pay five town to five euros. Would you not
1: this? think that the best thing to do to sell PlayStation VR
0: would be to let anybody try it and not put a paywall around us no because i just i don't think people are going to be going into game to buy psvr i just don't think if they can see it and they can try it for 10 minutes i, just... I would
1: walk in and try it if it was free i will not go on go past a paywall to pay for it well, no. no matter what the price is but i was one pound we are for 10 minutes
0: i think we we are kind of different because i have no desire to buy PSVR. okay i have no who desire to are PSVR. Who, the age group that are probably most interested in psvr are young kids No, I reckon people most interested are people from the age of about 21 to 35. They might be the second
1: most, but I think young people are the ones that are going to be, because they're the kind of people that if you want this thing to catch on, you're going to need them really badly.
0: Okay, but if we talk, are we talking And
1: especially given the time of year it is, and what is coming up in a couple of months. There is
0: no fucking way... Any parent out there is going to have bought a PS4 and then being told to buy a PSVR as well. Have not buying it. I am not buying it.
1: I had a... When I worked in a bookshop, and bear in mind, this was when the recession hit and everybody had no money. And our town here that we live in had the highest unemployment rate in the entire country. A woman... And she wasn't the only one who did it. It was just the only one that I actually served at my till. Walked in and bought a display case of match tax cards, which cost one hundred and twenty euros, as a stocking filler for her, one of her children. And this is why I'm never having children. Yeah. So you need to understand <laughs> that just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it's it's not a thing that's happened. Like it's it's utterly mental to me. Like because if you can get the kids on board with this, you're fucking. You rake in the cash. But game who are struggling, like we said, are struggling to get people to buy shit from them. Because now with the, the proliferation of digital and shit like that, um, people just aren't buying in physical shops anymore. No. You would imagine the thing you want to do is get the gear in their fucking hand. Because rather than make a couple of quid here and there from people that are going to play this thing. And you're still that cost is going to be offset somewhat by the people that you have at the pods. Not entirely, but offset somewhat. You would think the better thing to do would be let them try it for free and then the amount of people you will get in to pay £350 for the VR will be where you make your hay. Especially because what you're trying to do in this day and age is not just stay above water in terms of profits, but you're trying to demonstrate to the platform holder why you are important as a brick and mortar store. And the only way to do that is to shift hardware. Because Sony aren't seeing any of this money. So they're not seeing any incentive to keep up with the fucking brick and mortar game shops. Yeah.
0: You've just said yourself, though, that there are parents that are still dumb enough out there or have their arm wrenched where they have to buy these things. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing can apply there if a parent goes into a shop with a kid, that they will. parents doesn't go in with the kid. The parent goes in after the kid. Uh, after the kid tells them what to get when the kid is walking
1: in because when the kid's browse in the shop it's usually like on their lunchtime from school they don't have a five or a tenner to spend on doing the VR when they're on their lunch break or when they're walking home from school. I don't because think that applies to every single child. It is the vast, vast majority of them.
0: I can't agree with it but hey, whatever. Okay.
1: That's like, it is, it is utterly dumb even from a business point of view because it's not, it is putting a paywall around something rather than getting the gear into their hands for uh, as cost-effectively as possible. I
0: think part of it, what, where I'm looking Especially at Especially because from...
1: if you've ever wor- worked in one of these shops, they're never busy enough. They always have two or three people. There could easily be someone that's manning the pods because those pods are not going to be occupied the entire day.
0: I, I'm just going to go that. I think part of where I'm looking for this from is that, that I still see VR and I still see the PSVR and whatever else as something that... Because... Personally, for me, is that it's a gimmick, and that I would... And
1: this is going to ensure that
0: it remains that. And I would rather just pay the €5 Euro to have a play of it for ten minutes, because I'm never going to buy it. I have no interest in ever buying it. I'd like to try it.
1: Yeah. So why not try it for free?
0: But I'm fine paying €5 Euros to play for I'm ten not. minutes, and then walk away and never have to do it again. I. But, you d- like, you shouldn't have to. Well... No one's telling me. Well, no one's telling them game that they can or cannot do it. And if they can do it, they can no, do it. No, but <sighs> look, I can't say anything. If I'm willing to spend five euro on a fucking cup of coffee from Starbucks, from Starbucks, I cannot complain about paying five euro to pay VR for ten minutes.
1: Yeah, it is just to me, uh, the economics of it is beyond fucking stupid. It makes no sense from business point of view. It makes no sense from a promotional point of view. It makes no sense from the consumer's point of view because it's a sunk cost. Mm. You're getting a demo of something that you can't take home with you and you are paying uh, what is an extortionate amount of money for a very brief period of time. It It makes no sense. It also is an element of bad faith. Because it is not going to be perceived by some as game doing it. It's going to be perceived as Sony doing it to the consumer. So it's even, it's it's just, it's a fucking, it's an absolute mess. And it should be a bigger story, but it's not.
0: Well, I mean, if Sony want to kind of jump in and say something and do something about it, at that point, that's on them. What? Were you saying there that it's perceived that this is... Like of Sony's intentions, if Sony feel that they're getting negative backlash from this, at that point it's on them to do something to say something.
1: I mean, it is and it isn't because I don't think like a game have the PlayStation have no once they're not promoting it actively as a PA, as a Sony led initiative, which they're not because if you look at their press statement, there is they have no legal obligation to Sony to stop doing it. Oh no no no, I know that. So even if sony
0: told them to stop they would no but they're not even but to say stop but for sony to come out and just say this has nothing to do with us and how would the the kids and the parents know about that
1: well okay only the people the kids, following it like f- us would yeah you know what i mean but anyway like we're just gonna kind of go round and round on this but uh yeah it's just i don't it's it's sketchy i don't like it at all ps plus lineup for november the headliner is one of my favourite games of last year, and that's Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to this coming out, seeing what uh, a lot of people who didn't get the chance think about it. I think it's a very beautifully crafted and artistic sort of game. Uh, We're also getting The Deadly Tower of Monsters on PS4, uh, Dirt 3 and Costume Quest 2 on PS3, and two PS Vita games that are also crossed by a PS4 that's Letter Quest Remastered and Pumped BMX Plus.
0: Yeah, of these, the only ones I'm aware of, I like the. I like the series. I'm uh, sad that it's only on the PS3. I don't think there was a port for the PS4, not the more I have. Um I will give everybody who's gone to the Rapture uh, sort of your uh, your critical acclaim that you've given for it. I'm intrigued to try it for that.
1: Yeah, it's pretty much what I can say for that is it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. But if you don't like everybody's gone to the Rapture, walking simulators probably aren't for you because they don't get much more kind of beautifully and artistically crafted than everybody's gone to the rapture. Mm. Um yeah, so that's the PS plus lineup for this month. Um the the Xbox one lineup is actually pretty good. It's got Far Cry Blood Dragon involved in it, which is a good time. Yeah. I think that looks a little bit of a stronger lineup this month. Um it has generally speaking because they add in the uh, backwards compatible stuff. yeah uh, Xbox's games with gold has kind of been kicking ass the last year or so. But, uh, yeah, so check those out. Those will be coming up the first Wednesday of November. Usually it's the first Wednesday of the month, the PS4 store updates, so they should be available then. Now, I know Mark is very sad about this one, so we're going to tiptoe around this news, lest we break his tiny little heart. Uwe Ball has retired from directing. Has stepped away from the chair, has stepped away from threatening to fight people. He is uh, known for his derided video game movie adaptations like *Alone in the Dark*, *Blood Rain*, *House of the Dead*, *Far Cry*, *Postal*, and *In the Name of the King: A Dungeon Siege Tale*. He is retired, saying that this this is quote the market is dead. This is from Eurogamer. You don't make any money anymore on movies because the DVD and Blu-ray market worldwide has dropped 80% in the last three years. That I want to know where he got reason. that facts from. I just can't afford to make movies. I can't go back to student filmmaking because I've made so many movies in my life and I can't make cheaper and cheaper movies at my age. It's a shame. I would be happy to make movies, but it's just not financially possible. Ball explained that his games... Uh, 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 sorry, that his films made in the last decade were all self-financed to so uh, he only made his video game adaptations to raise funds for his passion products I've been using my money since 2005 and I hadn't made the stupid video game based movies I would never have amalgamated the capital so I could say let's make Darfur movie Ball stated I don't need a Ferrari I don't need a yacht I invested in my own movies and I lost money talk to me about Uwe Ball.
0: he makes terrible films he really does you know um, Far Cry was terrible postal was terrible blood rain terrible i never saw blood rain i'm presuming it's terrible it's terrible i'm presuming alone in the dark was terrible i would presume yeah um i bloke i bloke
1: threatened to uh any of his critics to get in the boxing ring with him
0: yeah i'm very curious to see where he gets this 80 percent statistic from mm-hmm. um and there's a reason that you know his films are not being funded because no one wants to fund his terrible films yeah, but he, uh, you know, on on the bright side, according to this article, at least he
1: owns a, a restaurant in Vancouver, British Columbia, that has been praised by critics
0: and Yelp reviewers alike. Ah. So he's done something good. See, like, you know... Every cloud. Yeah, he should stick to that. He should stick to what he's good at, you know?
1: Evolve, one of the great car crash stories of this generation, a game that had all the hype, all the... Uh, eSports hype around it before it came out kind of forced eSports hype oh yes definitely it was one of those (laughs) when everything was trying to be an eSport a couple of years ago and then it came out floundered everybody stopped playing it it looks now finally that the plug has been pulled on Evolve there have been a lot of rumours that Evolve was going free to play but it seems now that that is not going to happen on consoles at least no they have um, said that they are just moving on
0: yeah basically uh 2k have told turtle rock move on to something else i think 2k have realized that there's just no money in this because it wasn't too long ago that they turned evolve into a free-to-play game uh, Mm. to see if they could drum up some interest back into it i know that they had made quite a few changes they uh tweaked some of the things and added some features and um from some people that went back to it they went yeah it's pretty good it's okay but i mean you know like if you if you're not getting it at launch if you're not getting that interest in um you're kind of dead on arrival and i think that's really been evolve it's been dead on arrival um i can't say i'm entirely surprised by it but Hey, what can you do? Yeah. Um.
1: And then we have. Sorry, there. Just for a second, I have. Yeah. So it looks like as well as and from yesterday. Sorry, the the final thing I want to tag on because I only remembered it when you were speaking about that last one. That it looks like uh, Borderlands Three is twenty eighteen. Oh, cool. That kind of came out yesterday. Okay. Uh, so, Gearbox have already confirmed that the, the next game they're working on now is Borderlands 3. There's some mm-hmm. scant details out there. Those details have been out there since about April this year. But uh,
0: I figured that was going to happen at some point.
1: It so. seems. It, well, everybody was sure that we were going to get a trailer for it at E3 this year. Like It was written on IGN's list of confirmed games that are definitely going to be at E3. So much for Maybe that. Maybe it was, and then Gearbox pulled yeah. it. You know? Um. So, it looks like 2018 for Borderlands cool. 3. Cool. Okay. Okay. So check that out Sure. look up the, some of the scant details um, It's uh, Borderlands lore has never really been for me I didn't really like Tales from the Borderlands but uh, the games are kind of just about looting and playing rather than actually paying attention yeah, to the story. I, I
0: enjoy them for that. Handsome they're, Jack. <laughs> they're, they're enjoyable shooters and Handsome Jack is uh, is kind of glorious. Good lad.
1: So that's the news for this week. Uh, our, it's time for the Book Club, our special look at an important or significant game from the past that we like to talk about. This is our final game of Shocktober, the month where we are starting to look through games with a spooky element to them. And this week is no exception to finish off our look at scary games in Shocktober. We are going to talk about the most recent on our list. We are going to talk about one of the most significant and in some ways the saddest tale of them all. We are going to talk about P.T. Dad was such a drag.
2: Every day he'd eat the same kind of food, dress the same, sit in front of the same kind of games. Yeah, he was just that kind of guy. But then one day he goes and kills us all. He couldn't even be original about the way he did it. I'm not complaining. I was dying of boredom anyway. But guess what? I will be coming back. And I'm bringing my new toys with me.
1: P.T., short for Playable Teaser, is a first-person psychological survival horror video game developed by Kojima Productions under the pseudonym 7780S Studio and published by Konami. The game was directed and designed by Hideo Kojima in collaboration with film director Guillermo del Toro. Released for the PlayStation 4 on the 12th of August 2014 as a free download on the PlayStation Network, P.T. served primarily as an interactive teaser for the game Silent Hills, a cancelled installment in the Silent Hills series. After the cancellation, Konami removed P.T. from the PlayStation Store and eliminated reinstalling the game, a decision that later spawned criticism and fan efforts to allow P.T. to be re-downloaded. P.T. received critical acclaim for its direction, visuals, story complexity and supernatural tension, but was both criticised and acclaimed for the puzzles and solutions. Now, Mark, I've made no secret on this show that I am a fan of the Silent Hill franchise. When it is done well, I think Silent Hill uh, 2, 3, and to some extent 4 are among the greatest horror games ever made. By focusing on, rather than the visceral and what is straight in front of you horror, focusing on the getting inside your head element that horror can be so effective at doing. When this this teaser came out, it's so 2014 E3, we saw a trailer of some people, you know, the night vision camera of people playing this game and being freaked out and screaming and shit like that. And got kind of, you know, PT available on the PlayStation Store. Or not... Yeah, PT available on the PlayStation Store now from 7 save and the 80s Studio. So I went and downloaded it. Played it that night. Um went through a couple of hours <clears throat> playing it, and um, this is before we even get into the the actual content of the game, and got to the end, and I peed a little, <laughs> and some other fluids may have come out, when uh, Hideo Kojima's name came up, Guillermo del Toro's name came up, Norman Reese's face came up, and then it said Silent Hills, and the familiar uh, Silent Hill Overture started playing, um, talk to me about you finding out about PT Silent Hills.
0: Uh, yeah, I remember seeing the announcement <clears throat> at uh, Gamescom, and uh, it was about about two weeks later. Well, no, it was after the release, and everyone kind of sat down to play it. As you can imagine, I didn't immediately go to my PS4 and download mm. it. You're
1: not a big fan of the spooky game.
0: Uh, no, I also didn't have a PS4 at the time, yeah. so I'm using that. So as that would be excuse. prohibitive. Yeah um but i saw just the internet explode you know mm. just everyone was like holy shit there's a new silent hill holy shit hidey hideo kojima holy shit del toro blah 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 and um it caught my attention caught my eye and we were talking about this in the stream last night that i like horror but from an arm's distance <laughs> i don't enjoy watching horror I don't enjoy visually partaking in horror, but I enjoy the the psychological aspects of it and how uh, creators find inventive ways to scare readers, watchers, and players. Um, and horror had kind of taken, had been revitalized over the last few years with the kind of first person um, focused. Horror games with the likes of Slender Man, uh, Amnesia. Um, trying to think of some other ones off the top of my head, uh, and certainly over the last couple of years, where you've had like Alien: Isolation, those proper kind of first-person uh, perspective horror games where it's right there up in your face, and you you are fully immersed in that experience. And we've seen with the new Resident Evil that they've taken that approach because. It's, you know, it's the way going forward. And certainly with VR, which I think horror is going to be the most effective genre for for VR going mm. forward. And that will lead to the most fatalities. Uh, potentially. Yeah. Failure. We're going to see a lot of cardiac arrest, yeah. And so when this came out and everyone lost their minds and they said uh, that this is, you know, the most terrifying thing I've played in however many years. And Kojima was like, I, I want to make people literally shit their pants. I thought... I need to at least see what is going on here. Um, so I re- went around to my friend Craig's house. Uh, me, him, and my friend James. And just straight away, A, what um, an advert for the Fox engine, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, people were amped up for, for Metal Gear 5, but this, you know, just like graphically what was going on. Yeah.
1: This is, like, one of the most creepily photorealistic. Yeah. And as we said last night in the stream, like, it's it's kind of easier to get that realism when you're just generating
0: the same corridor with slight changes over and over uh, again, but still. And I just remember after, like, the second corridor we went around, or the third one, and you come around the corner and Lisa's just standing there, I just yep. went, nope, I'm done, I'm good, thank you very much. Yeah, she's just standing there, like
1: kind of the head cocked to the side, not moving, yeah. and then you approach closely. As I pointed out, it's brilliant because she doesn't... She does disappear, but she doesn't disappear in a way where you go, oh, the way is clear now. The lights go out yeah. ahead in the corridor.
0: So she may still be there for all you know. And the genius thing, and <clears throat> again, we were talking about this, like some of the most effective forms of horror is horror that is like real world focused Mm. and everyone can picture themselves walking around a corridor and like turning around to face something that is I mean terrifying or not even terrifying but even like a guy in a fucking clown mask you know it's gonna take you by surprise Uh, and the first time that happens between like I imagine most people when they play this for the first time because of the amount of detail the small detail and how realistic everything looks I imagine a lot of people very kind of tentatively going forward taking in everything that was around, the pictures, um, the bugs kind of crawling off the wall, and then just boom, that happens, and she's there. No, And I was just like, I mean, I was, I didn't want anything more to do with it, but kind of certainly going back and retrospectively seeing how the the kind of game, the demo unfolds, uh, it's a masterclass mm-hmm. in psychla- psychological horror, you know, and visual horror to a certain degree as well.
1: Yeah, there are certainly, like, there's a couple of visceral kind of jump scares in there but it certainly the way you could characterize the the game is that what it is trying to do is start off in a place that makes you uncomfortable and then just keep adding layers in sometimes they take the form of like psychological stuff like the the haunting which is the, the phrase that is used to describe like the staticky wailing and crying and sobbing and laughing noises that is lisa that people have discerned means that she is behind you when that noise is happening so if you turn around during that time that's when she attacks um so that's kind of the more on the more psychological side of things is that the, the the way the sound design is done but then there are kind of the very overt things it does there's a couple of jump scares involved like i said when she attacks you or there's a bit where, where something happens when you look through the crack on the bathroom door or when you look through the peephole in the wall uh, and there are some like subtle as a sledgehammer to the face moments like the swinging fridge that's pouring <laughs> blood out of it so it's like what it's doing is it's hitting high spots of all different kinds of horror to kind of make sure that pretty much Anyone playing it who is, shall we say, triggered by any sort of horror, there's something in there for them to be spooked by. Like I said to you, the the baby thing that that's happening throughout it. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily get to me, but there are people who are utterly wigged out by anything horror that involves babies or children. Yep. Um, like you were talking about the, was it the was it the twins from The Shining you were talking about or what was uh, it? The orphanage. The orphanage. Yeah. So, you weren't having any of that. No. So, there are people who, like, you know, aren't scared by most films, but The Exorcist or The Omen, based on the fact that children are involved or children of the corn, it, that fucking, they can't deal with it. Um, so, yeah, it is, it's a masterclass in, in, in not only the kind of uh, game design and what you can get out of basically just doing a corridor in repetition, Um, It's also a masterclass in terms of an an homage to horror, which you'd expect when Guillermo del Toro is involved because he's such a fan of the genre. Um, It is also... There are are certain hints to it. The, The one hint that I can think of of it being Silent Hill before you find out at the end or you find out from a spoiler for the internet before you play it is this thing we hit upon in the stream last night about the idea of a descent. Yeah is that every time in your loop, you're not just going around in circles, that you're descending into a darker version of the world every time you go around. Because it starts off as a fucking normal-ass looking corridor, just with some weird sounds happening and some creepy stillness to everything. And then as you go around and as you get through different hurdles, it just darkens and worsens and... Yeah, it's um, it mirrors the way Silent Hill games start off. A lot of them start off relatively normal, just a little bit creepy, and the further you go into the game, the more you leave reality behind mm-hmm. and get into the twisted Silent Hill version that they had. The I can't remember what is it they call it. There's there's actually there's a, there's a name that the franchise gives to the kind of like almost like the mirror hell dimension world, but yeah, basically that,
0: um. Yeah, you were going to say something? No, no, I was going to lead on to that. Yeah, and like in terms of, um, you know, it gives you kind of brief elements of a a story or a world that it creates with Mm -hmm. um, the radio kind of crackling in the background um, and the little clippings um, of like bits and pieces you can kind of piece together. And it's amazing, like, people have really analyzed what is, you know, no longer than if you play kind of brute force it, you can do it in about 15, 20 minutes. But there's so much that I've seen online that have analyzed this to death. Um, Like, what do you classify this? Do you classify it as as a game or a demo? Or, like, you know, I mean, it's called a playable teaser, but. Yeah. Um, I think retroactively
1: now, I I have to kind of refer to it as a game because it's not a teaser for anything. No, not anymore. And there is that base level of interactivity and, and challenge and engrossment uh, and that takes place in a game. So it is a game, mm. but more strongly I'd identify it as an experience. Mm-hmm. Because the teaser is, we don't know if that was, even if Silent Hills had come out, if that was ever going to... Be anything like what the game. Well, was. this is the
0: thing because of the the, the last thing that happens, where um, it comes out of the first person. You see Norman Reedus, and he walks off down the street. Um, yeah, that's the big questions. Like, would it have been a first person experience? Would it have been a traditional Silent Hill game? Would it have used uh, elements of both? Like, if you've got Norman Reedus there, you're going to probably want to be seeing Norman Reedus. You know, um, if you're using his talents. Um, and one of the big questions, and like games like alien isolation uh, have been critiqued with this where for the first couple of hours what they're going for works but then it becomes that's all the game is and it gets mm-hmm. a little bit tedious after a while um so i wonder whether how they would have can, kind of continued doing something along these lines yeah
1: i think um the way one of the things people criticize about the PT is the obtuse nature of the puzzles that are taking place in it. Which, I mean, you know, Silent Hill games... Well, yeah, the puzzles in those and the riddles in those can be quite obtuse, but the... I I take what they mean because it is a particular level of frustration. But, if I may, what I would venture to guess is that that is done deliberately. In order to like I, I came I mentioned this idea of discomfort yeah and horror and this kind of because they're so obtuse and you're so desperate to figure out and continue the loop and try to get out of there when the puzzles are this obtuse I think it really adds to the oppressive feeling of the game it's like oh my god I'm never going to get out of here yeah how the fuck and like the people who only see the frustrating side of it, I suspect, are people who are less inclined to be suckered in by the horror, like people who aren't going to get scared by the jump scares or anything like that. I imagine someone who's really, like, if you had committed to playing the full thing and didn't know what the puzzles were, right? I'd have been there if, forever. And you just had headphones in, but you would get more and more distressed mm-hmm. as time went on, because that haunting keeps coming around, yep. so you know that she's still in there with you. Yeah. And you're desperately trying to find whether it's bits of the photograph or... Like, I can only imagine the madness of if you don't either find out that you need to make the, the baby cry noises happen or or the laugh, isn't it? Is it laugh? It's the laugh. Yeah, yeah. the laugh. You make need, a laugh you, three times. Yeah, you need to make the, the baby laugh, the baby noise laugh three times. Um, If you don't either deliberately find out that that's what you're supposed to do or you don't, like I did the first time I played you would accidentally make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um... I can only imagine that you would get really, 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 really bugged out. Well, yeah, because,
0: I mean, like, the first time... And
1: if you don't get... If you don't get the idea that you need to solve the riddle to complete the loop. Yeah. So you feel like you're just going round and round and you're trapped forever.
0: And, like, the first time that... uh, It's an interesting
1: risk to run... The first the time that Lisa,
0: Lisa kind of jumps on you, you know, it's a terrifying thing to happen. But yeah. knowing that that can keep happening if you're stuck and, yeah. don't, you know, you don't advance. Yeah, if you don't
1: figure out how to stop it from happening. Yeah. I pointed out in the stream how I know
0: when it's coming
1: and how, you know, you
0: don't get attacked. And what I hate about, I mean, I like about it, but I hate about it as well, is... You have to have the headphones in, and you need to have the fucking thing turned It doesn't
1: up. allow you to divorce yourself in any way. It doesn't let you pay any less than 100% attention, because yeah. the puzzles puzzles are difficult. The sound is important. The paying attention to any little detail that has changed is yeah. important And the, it, like The only way
0: to defend yourself from Lisa is to know, like, to hear the sounds, like, when you hear but a certain,
1: certain puzzles, like, you're only going to know the the writing on the wall puzzle, You're only going to know how to solve that if you're paying attention to what's changing. Mm. The photo, the the pieces of the photo, you are only going to know where those are if you are looking at every small detail in that corridor. It's a small corridor where when you're looking
0: at everything in that much detail, it feels massive. And also when you want to get the fuck out of there because you know that this is coming. Yeah. Um, Now... Like mechanically, it's not re—it's not doing anything that we haven't seen before. Because as I mentioned in the stream, Fatal Frame is a game that was a- was a game that kind of forced you to look at ghosts through the lens of a camera to take pictures. That was how you defeated them. And it kind of uses this mechanic coming forward. Although you are defenseless, you can't defeat anyone. But you know you have to zoom in on stuff. And like, as you said, when you have to kind of peer through the slightly open door and like Lisa's head just pops out and then slams the door on you oh it's, a, <laughs> it's an absolute bastard but it's it's finally crafted yeah, cause, horror yeah
1: because jump scares are cheap I will admit but jump scares are also the thing that is most likely to get somebody who is inured to horror even within a couple of seconds I will know, oh yeah, I'm, I'm grand. But in the immediacy of the jump scare the first time it happens, even I, a, a seasoned horror game player, will go, whoa. Yeah. But not in a kind of, ah, yeah. sort of way, but in a kind of, whoa, that's surprising. Yeah. And then continue on my huh, way. That was, that but was it's a thing. The be- it's the best way you can try and get people who are dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's just, it really is, Um, and, you know, the... It's a shame, because the legacy of P.T. has been somewhat tarnished. One, by the game never coming out. Two, by the absolute fucking shitshow that Konami has been, and the whole... What has happened with Hideo Kojima leaving and now doing Death Stranding, which I'm very much looking forward to. Also with Norman Reedus, not necessarily with Guillermo del Toro, though. Um... And also by the, it, the... The real kind of petty thing was not allowing it to be downloaded anymore. Yeah. Um, like, people argued at the time, and I don't know what the... I'm assuming for a cost-effectiveness issue, it's like, why bother doing it? But Konami easily could have gone in and chopped off the Silent Hills part at the very end, mm-hmm. and it still would be an incredible little experience yes. on its own. Um... But I, it shouldn't take away in any respect from the fact that I think it is probably it was on my list of top 10 games of the generation. It it really is. It's one of the most incredible experiences I've had playing a video game in years. Yeah. It's the best horror game I have played since the heyday of Silent Hill probably. um, There are some very good horror games out there in this day and age but there are few and far between now and silent hills looked like for all the world we were going to have another golden age of horror and it's it's a shame what happened but really and we'll push the the link in the description for the show there are ways safe enough ways to go about redownloading pt yeah Um, the only problem with that is you already had to have it purchased Um, It has to be in your library, but just not downloadable. Um, If you're not one of those people, if you don't have it clicked, uh, you will unfortunately, unless you know somebody, never get to play it, which is a crying shame. You can go onto YouTube and watch us and a bunch of other people as well, I'm sure, doing complete playthroughs of it. We did one last night that's gone up. Um, you can check it out. It's on our the link is on our Facebook page as well. You can check out. We did the complete start to finish playthrough of it. We did it in yeah, just, we got pretty, just under an hour.
0: Got pretty much everything in there.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, it took me it took me two hours the first time I did it, but that was because with that last puzzle, which is very obtuse, I stumbled into the answer
0: mm. relatively quickly. Um, I I say this about PT. Um, I look at it as more like a short story. Yeah. You know um and a lot of effective horror actually works like well that. i think
1: that's probably what it was intended to be even if the game came out i think it was to be like a silent hill story mm. and to act as perhaps um uh, like the way movie teasers do and like the way initial teasers do for games what it, it teaser trailers do for games um it's just to set the tone yeah you know, this isn't necessarily the narrative of the game, but this is what the game is going to feel like.
0: Do you think um, the new Resident Evil? Nope. Can I finish my question? Is it going to be that good? <laughs> no, no. But do you think that they looked at um, this? Oh yeah. Oh, went... absolutely. Yeah.
1: Like if you watch that kitchen demo, they're essentially they essentially did the same thing. Mm. So that kitchen VR demo came out last year and the words Resident Evil 7 were not attached to it at no, all. No, So they didn't do the the clever thing that Silent Hills did at the end where it showed, you know, Silent Hills. Wow. It was nearly a year later. It was at, it was at um, E3 this year where it finally clicked into place where they showed the trailer. And it's a really good and well cut trailer. But in terms of, like, the first-person nature of that demo and the head bobbing and the creepiness and the... Some, you know, you're-not-alone-in-the-house sort of feel to it. Yeah, it's... They they looked at PT and went, Oh, this is what people actually want! Not some weird over-the-shoulder action-adventure shit like um, the last two Resident Evil games. Let's get back to the horror! So, yeah, it's... It, it's funny because I imagine it would have had... If Silent Hills had come out and been in any way close to as good as P.T. L- would lead you to believe it was going to be. And I would lean on the side of, yeah, it probably would have been because... In the other... The, the closest parallel I can draw is Hideo Kojima also did a playable teaser for Metal Gear Solid 5. Now, it wasn't necessarily, from what we understand, his choice to carve off Ground Zeroes... He wanted it to all be included.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But Ground Zeroes is not as good as Phantom Pain. Like, if you play Ground Zeroes, went, like, eh, which I kind of did. I went, eh, look, it looks pretty, but I don't know if I'd play this for, play if this is what it's going to be like for 100 hours. Yeah. Um, and then Metal Gear Solid Phantom Pain came out, and it was a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I was wrong, I was wrong. Um... So, but by that rationale, if uh, Kojima's just not very like not as good at doing teasers as he is doing the full game, uh, and the fact that like I love Guillermo del Toro so much, I can't imagine that that game, if it had come out, would be anything less than brilliant. It would have had, if it had been brilliant, it would have had a seismic impact on the the future direction of the horror genre in video games. I was going
0: to say of Konami,
1: but. <laughs> But the the clearest indication of how seismic it is is that just a teaser has had this impact that Resident Evil, the other heavy hitter in horror games, looked at this teaser for a game that will never come out and went, we need to copy that.
0: Well, I mean, let's be honest. After the, the absolute shambles that was Resident Evil 6... I think Capcom knew that they had to change things <laughs> They up need anyway. to swing for defences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but this is a good kind of area to, to swing oh, for. There are
1: worse things to emulate, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of going to do it. My elevator pitch for this is simply play this game because it's the best horror game of this generation. It's one of the best horror games ever made. The story around it is so unbelievably compelling and sad and I don't mean the story that takes place in the game, I mean the story of the development, or lack thereof, of Silent Hills. Um, if you are a horror buff in terms of video games, you really have no excuse. Um, play this game, or if you can't play this game, uh, go on YouTube, watch someone play it start to finish, just to get involved. It won't be the same. Oh, God, but no. No, not anyone If it's me. the closest you can get, then do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Uh, so that's, that's Shocktober, we're done. You can come out from behind the couch now, Mark. We're
0: Thanks. Thank fuck for that.
1: We're wrapped up although there is one horror game I, I want to get you to play. Uh, I'm not playing SOMA.
0: Not doing it. <laughs> not doing it. How do you know it was SOMA? Because we have already had this conversation
1: about yeah. ten times. Well, there's SOMA and I want to play Until Dawn with you as
0: well. Well, Until Dawn's a little bit different.
1: Yeah, but I want to do like I want to put up a couple of streams on Halloween night yeah. that just go up on Halloween night but that we play like at some stage or yeah. the weekend or something like that but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that off the air. Um, That... All that remains to be seen is Mark. Tell us what we're going to be doing next week.
0: Next week we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, we're not actually going to be doing our typical book club feature. Oh, no. <gasps> say it in so. Next week, uh, we are going to be sitting down. Um, not in the same room as because sadly because uh, this this man he uh, he's on his travels. He travels quite a lot. You know he's a busy busy lad. No, we rode alone. Yeah, I know. Uh, we are sitting down to have an interview with a uh, wrestling promoter, comedian, and all-round good lad, Jim Smallman, uh, hey. who myself and Dave are big fans of. Yes, uh, He is a guy that I've been following for a few years now. He's a co-promoter of Progress Wrestling out of the UK that you should go and look up if you enjoy wrestling. Um, and uh, several things that I've kind of come to find out about Jim Smallman is he loves wrestling, loves comedy... Loves his family and loves video games. I know a lot about those first three things. I don't know a lot about what what video games he enjoys and like. It, 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 there's never really been a platform I've seen where he's kind of properly kind of sat down to talk about it. Uh, so yeah, he's gonna kind of come on, and we're just gonna chat to him and um, kind of you know see what makes him tick. And he's got a few years on us, so you know we'll be curious to see kind of what games he was playing you know what cultural he touchstones he has with yeah video games man. yeah
1: i'm looking forward to it a guy who has the same kind of Venn diagram of interests that we do with the indeed. The, the comedy the video games and the graps
0: indeed so that is coming up next week so you can look forward to that so it won't be a uh, traditional show yeah we'll
1: uh, be back to business as usual the following week yes uh, but yeah so that's episode 42 of linked the cast in the can can't believe we got through the entirety of episode 42 and I didn't mention that 42 is the meaning of life. Well, I, like there you go. we'll well, I got
0: one in before the end. Yeah, And uh, there's also a really big plant. Resident uh, Evil. i uh, 42. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, I'm, I'm just so keeping with the horror theme. See what you've right? done, done, see what you've done,
1: see what you've done. Link to thecast.eu is the website. That's where you want to go. Check out all our content centralised there. Uh, Following us on social media at link to the cast on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash link to the cast. Those are the places where we post the links to our playthroughs, all sorts of things like that. We post notifications of our streams when they go live on that tweet machine at link to the cast, like I said. And the Twitch channel itself is twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast. You will always get a notification through the tweet machine when we go live if you want to come in and join the chat in there. We've had a few. Uh, productive chats in there, and uh, we were able to send on the uh, the article linking to uh, how to re-download PT to a young man who was in the thread last night. who very much appreciated. it. So uh, yeah, please do join us uh, for some of those live streams. Um, what else have we got? We we have uh, a YouTube channel. We are now uh, as of today, we are the top search result when you put in link to the cast on YouTube. Suck it, da- Ann Robinson. Da-da! Um, and we put up there uh, all our streams are archived there all sorts of things that Mark is doing, all sorts of things that I'm doing we have a, a weekly schedule um, where on Mondays we have Mark on Mondays which is Mark's solo stream, Mark what did you play this week? You are done with Undertale.
0: So yeah, last week uh, I said that I'd be potentially starting a Crash Bandicoot game uh, but then me and my girlfriend finished Crash Bandicoot 3 over the weekend so I figured there was no point doing that so, i went for a different direction. Uh, there was a game in the 90s for the original Playstation that I played a hell of a lot of called Toomba or Toombi in Europe. And uh, I haven't touched that game uh, in a while. I remember playing it on the PS3 when I had to find a alternative US account to get it uh, unlocked to play because um, the PS store was a bit of a pain at the time for that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm going to be playing through that and I'm very much looking forward to it because it gives me all those happy, tingly, nostalgic feels. Excellent. Tuesday is the day where we
1: post a an old book club. What went up most recently?
0: We put something else up on Tuesday, I feel so... Generally speaking, an yeah. old
1: book club from a, a previous podcast will go up. Also an article, there was no article this week, but uh, I was kind of occupied all weekend, so I didn't have a chance to sit down and write one. You will, I will have one up this Tuesday. Wednesday is linked to the cast plays. And finally, Marcus Free, Beyond Two Souls, finished this week.
0: Well, you say free. I mean, I'm, I'm still in a hellhole of a different kind of hellhole yeah. now.
1: You're free from beyond two souls though. Yeah, which is good enough for me. And for the next couple of weeks, uh, while Link to the Cast Plays is on hiatus as we find our next game to play, uh, you will be getting episodes of Down with the Witness, where Mark is trying to uh, not go crazy while trying to think about how Jonathan Blow thinks. It's
0: going to be great.
1: Um, I'm enjoying... Because uh, I really like any series where, because I generally, when we sit together on the couch, it's me playing and you co-piloting. So it's nice for the...
0: Well, I mean, it depends on what the game is. But, like, yeah. I refuse to play a David Cage game. Absolutely refuse. <laughs> well, we're nearly
1: out of them at this point. Yeah. That's almost a good, that is a good argument for doing uh in No, it's a uh, terrible argument. Like, no, we're just no, going to be out of them, No, no, no. no, <laughs> no.
0: There are so many other games so out there. Check
1: out the the final uh, the final episode of Linked Cast plays Beyond Two Souls. Uh, as I said in that video, playing this kind of shit so you don't have to. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, down with the witness for the next several weeks uh, until either Mark hits a real bad wall or until uh, we come up with a better game. Sure to play Thursday is the day the podcast comes out that's the only thing that comes out that day generally speaking now I've also put up the Shocktober playthrough of PT across our social media there today as well so that that is a nice pairing with this podcast so you can listen to us talk about PT on this podcast then you can watch us play PT and talk about it some more on the on the YouTubes And then Friday is Friday of Plays where I am playing Life is Strange and I need to sit down at some point this evening and do that. So, um, check that out. That's a very interesting and idiosyncratic little game. Hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to getting more into it. And there will be a blitz of Hitman videos coming up in the very near future because the final part of that is out next week. Again, we'll we'll be having this conversation for at least three months. We we will be four behind (laughs) then. And, if for nothing else, then in, in terms of game, game video, of the year, we need yeah, to yeah. fucking finish that thing. Um so yeah, that's pretty much all our stuff. That's where you can contact us on. Individually speaking, uh, that man over there is at Lithium Project on the tweet machine. I am at Dave Ryan IV. This has been episode forty-two of Link to the Cast. So long, and thanks for all the fish.